Are you in Brisbane and looking for Brisbane's largest range of premium aerosols? Crush City was established in 2010 to provide a great retail space and the best quality materials and equipment for every occasion, with heavy stocks of Montana cans, Iron Lac, Bez, Loop and Molotov. To find out more, including opening times and deliveries, get at the team at crushcity.com.au or get at the team via Crush City Fame on Instagram or head into the shop at 423 Ipswich Road, Annerley. Crush City are proud sponsors of Beers, Beats and the Biz. Doors closing. Please stand clear. Media Fortress is an Australian web hosting company operating out of Melbourne, established in 2009. They offer domains, hosting, website builders and online marketing support. If you are sick of sending your dollars overseas for a slow loading website, check out Media Fortress. They will transfer your website free. Domains from as little as $17.50 and hosting from as low as $7.50 per month. Head to mediafortress.com.au for 100% Australian-owned domain registration and Australian hosting, custom website design, and search engine optimization and marketing. That's Media Fortress, mediafortress.com.au, or call them on 1300 308 488. Media Fortress are official sponsors of Beers, Beats and the Beers. Support businesses supporting us. You want to know the real deal? Here it is. You're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers. All right, check it out. This is the Beers, Beats and the Beers podcast broadcasting live from the Shire Studios, as we always do, my man Insidious, super producer Insidious on the boards. That's how we get down. And uh, we are back at it for another week. Happy Easter to everyone. And uh, when we left you last, we left you with the one and only Matty B, and it was an absolute fucking cracker of an episode, man. I've been wondering where Matty's where Matty's been at for so long, and it was so dope to sit down and, uh, you know, catch up with him. He's out there. He's working on the black... What, What's it called? The Black Swan. Oh, I should fucking have that written down. His upcoming album produced by Bias B, uh, Optimus, um, Disaster. It's called The Black Swan Chronicles. So be on the lookout for that. If you haven't heard that episode yet, go back into the history books and press play on that shit because uh, the man is a legend. The man gave us so much. You know, he's one of those early artists to really break on radio with Fridays way back when, back in the early 2000s. And uh, he's been about it forever. He's one of the true characters in this country too, someone that I've known for, you know, a lot of years and stuff like that. And just a great dude. It was great to reconnect with Maddie and all that. And uh, if you haven't heard it, press play, go back. It's the episode before this one. And now, as always, man, I'm fucking super excited to get into this, um, get into these conversations, man, because it's an honor bringing you these conversations. And we're heading up to the fucking, the late 90s, man. We're nearing 100. And uh, we couldn't do it in any other fashion than with this man who now calls Melbourne home. Um, former member of the Gully Platoon, one of uh, the original Down Under Beats crew members hailing from Sydney, the Blue Mountains via New Zealand. I mean, we're going to get into all this history with the man himself, and and in my books, one of uh, one of the country's foremost lyricists, like understated, underrated, underrated, understated, whatever you want to say, man, just like unsung in terms of what he what he brings to a beat. The one and only Dielectrics, Dietrich, you there, bro? Big up, Jake. How are you, bro? I'm good, mate. I'm good, and it is fantastic to have you on the other end of the line, brother. Finally making this happen. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No, it's an okay. honor, it's an honor, dude, to get into this fucking history and sort of break down things. And you know, like you know, as I was sort of stating from the outset, I mean, this man is a um, 
just a, a phenom, like a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal lyricist. Russ's little Vinny just ran in the studio. What up, Vinny? What up, Vinny? <laughs> Russ's kid just ran in the studio. But dude, like, man, you are without fail one of this country's, like, you know, just foremost MCs on the beat, on the stage, and everything. Uh, I want to get, I want to go into all this history. But I suppose, dude, let's fucking let's go back and let's out the gate. Just go into those history books a little bit, man. You came from you came from New Zealand to Sydney in '96. You were telling me. That's it, man. I I moved to the Blue Mountains in 1996 mm. with my dad. So we sort of split the move between him and my mum coming over, and um, and yeah, man. We we I was born in Auckland, lived in a little place on the west coast of, of New Zealand called New Plymouth yep. or Bell Block. Um, so I went from one fucking middle of buttfuck nowhere place to another middle of buttfuck nowhere place, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so just mad rural sort of upbringing until then, but but yeah, bro, it was um, it was definitely sort of influential as far as hip hop and music. Still, even though I was only I was nine or ten when I moved over, I can't even remember mm. exactly how old I was. But um, having obviously Polynesian cousins and and that influence around was was a big music direction, even as a kid before coming to um. Coming to, to, you know, grunge-laden, yeah. silverchair, fucking popping. Dude. <laughs> Land, landing in Sydney in the mid-90s, bro. <laughs> yeah. Silverchair, Grinspoon. Fucking fucking I assimilated <laughs> real quick. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll yeah. bet. Yeah. So what, the, the, the rhythms ran deep over in NZ, bro? Like, you know, it was sort of a – it was something that you were surrounded by, music and all that kind of thing? Yeah, 100%. Like my, my dad's a – he was a musician – so I was fortunate enough to grow up with guitars and drums and pianos and a full rumpus room full of instruments. And um, he played in jazz bands and cover bands. And my brother played the drums. So I always had a, 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 you know, a very fortunate sort of upbringing to give you the, the rudiments of music. That's, that's definitely something that I, I will attribute to having, like you, you can say someone's talented or you can say someone picked it up, but having it around me all the time, I think was, um, was a killer advantage. Yeah, um, especially my, my cousin was a really good drummer. My dad was a good drummer. My brother was a good drummer. So, so everything was sort of rhythm based yes. um, from, from a kid. And, um, and then my cousins, they were massive. Like I had a, my, a cousin who was a couple of years older than me, he was like my best mate. His entire family, so he's one of five siblings, they were all into hip-hop. Yeah. So they were, they were from Auckland, so they were like the cool sort of, the, the relations that, that came down with the cool shit. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and then it was sort of drip feed from the, you know, Brian would give it to Joanna, Joanna would give it to Melissa, Melissa would give it to Josh, and Josh was like, my my age, by the time I got to Josh, it was just like, fuck, what's the cool shit? And he was like, <laughs> this, this is the cool shit. And he would pop, put on Cypress Hill and Buster on. So yeah. it was a cool, like when you, my kids are 10 now. Yeah. And it's just bugged out thinking about how, you know, I was influenced by something that was lifelong then and now I'm yelling at them. Yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 for those listening, Dietrich, he's the father of four. So you know, any any parent out there, you know, with one or two, which is generally the average these days, uh, you know, kind of can uh, I suppose empathise to some degree with <laughs> with yeah. what this with you know what you have to deal with on a daily basis, bro. <laughs> it's, it's called a career killer. It is, dude. <laughs> like, well, you know, listen. I mean, we had Matty B on last week, and fucking his last release was. 
Christ, it was like 16 years ago or something. And I said to him, I was like, where the fuck have you been, man? Like, what's been happening? I mean, you, dude, you know, going through your catalog over the past week, your full lengths are all almost going on, you know, they're almost going on 10 years now. You know, I mean, Cold Light of Day was 2013. Uh, no, sorry, Cold Light of Day. Yeah, 2013. Fuck, Jesus. 2012, 2010, 2008, Gully Platoon around 09. I mean, you just recently dropped Parallel Universe, which once again, dude, another just another killer joint. Like, how are you finding, you know, and we'll go back as, as we always do with these podcasts. They go all over the shop. But, like, how are you finding the creative process being the father of four, man? Fucked. Fucked. <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> it's not yeah, easy. I've got other words for it. Not existent. Yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They just, it's just difficult, man. Like, mm. it, I, I think I, I struggle to have a, a conversation that isn't about planning the next day for work and yeah. kids and shit. You know, I, I relish an opportunity to just have a chat that's not revolving around the the day-to-day -day sort of routine but um Tell me about I, th it. I think if you really want it you're gonna you have to fight for it and yes. it becomes just a lot slower so um yep yep it, it definitely affects like yep I, I think what you were just saying there there was all sort of ramping up almost to release a year up until i had my eldest and then it's like well then there's a release every three years yeah <laughs> there's it. more and then there's like now there's no releases so yeah, there's yeah. definite correlation between um yeah, yeah, alpha. There's other shit in there that influence why it's less. Of but course, yeah, of it's, course. It's, it's like your yeah, spare time to do it and um, and feel enthusiastic about it is is diminished. It is incredibly deep. when you start to when you start to have kids and yeah, obviously I I want to be a good dad and that takes precedence over being a good anything else. Yeah, a good MC or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, business it owner or fucking yeah. homeschooler, or yeah, <laughs> whatever. Whatever the fuck it is, yeah, your spare time, you know, steadily starts to dry up, and it has to become far more methodic and planned. Yeah, dude. And I've just knocked off work, crack a beer, ride a sixteen. This just doesn't fucking. This nah. not an option. Yeah, it's not an option. And with fucking four kids running around between the ages of one and ten, you know, like I mean, that's something, you know. And then lockdowns, and you know, all the adversity, or not the adversities, the various obstacles that we've faced as parents. You know, over the past couple of years, you know, like just those obstacles alone. Because, yeah, like you said, man, it's almost like once every two years, boom, 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 you're smashing. And then, yeah, it just goes quiet. But, I mean, Parallel Universe is an amazing song. Kind of, to me, it almost kind of sums up almost where we're at. Like for anyone listening, go hunt down Dielectrics, Parallel Universe. It's out there. It's on YouTube. It's on the streaming services and all that kind of thing. It's an amazing joint. And it kind of, um, in my eyes, like I, 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 I get it. You know, I listen to that song and I'm like, man, like this is, this is the, the day and age we're living in, man. It's almost like living in like some sort of parallel universe, just trying to be that, you know, just trying to be all things, you know, and still be a creative on top of it all. Oh, dude, well, I, I think about what you're doing, man, coming from work to do this, and I think, fuck, that's a lot of effort. Like, yeah, so, right. and, and even during, um, you know, lockdown, I, I just was losing my mind. Yes. I'd lost a couple jobs and was at home with the kids and, and making do, but, but I thought, fuck it, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start podcasting. Start yeah. talk, talking to my mates. I'll start talking to checkers and I'll talk to yep. Flu. And I was just like, fuck, I've got to listen to checkers' entire catalogue this week. Yeah, and so I love checkers. Yeah. And I was just like, holy fuck, that's a lot of catalogue yeah. to get through. Like I'm driving around intentionally to listen to checkers, like yep. just to get to that point. I'm like, this is what Jake Biz does every day. Yeah, dude. <laughs> right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know, respect, respect goes back to you for – 
it, this is this doesn't happen. You make it happen, and there's yeah. a lot of yeah. work behind it. Just even to have the chat and keep up and get to a hundred episodes, it's a hundred weeks of you know analyzing people's stuff. So I, I right back at you. I give you props for for doing the history and connecting it all because it. At, after no matter how passionate it is, you have to become methodical, otherwise it won't continue to happen. That's it. You'll too. get fucking tired and snowed down. Russ will get COVID for the seventeenth time. Oh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it happened last week again. I was just like, Jesus Christ, how many times a week do you get sick, cunt? But you know, this is it, bro. This is what it is. You know, we just fucking, you know. We navigate these things. We're passionate about it. And, you know, sometimes just sitting down and talking with you guys and stuff like that each week, man, it's just, you know, it's just what it is. Yeah, it is. It's fucking work. It's, but, it's you know. discipline, I guess. It won't ha- I guess the point of what I'm saying is if, if you want anything to happen when you're an adult and you've got yeah. kids and you want to release a podcast or a, a make a 16 for your mate, yeah. you have to be disciplined to do it. Yeah. And um, it's hard to, to give that time to yourself the older you get. And mm. when you're dealing with fucking pandemics and kids and shit like it's real hard to stay disciplined whether it's food or spare time but anyway yeah bro no no that's it that's it no, 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 no. That, that, but that, that's it, dude. That's it. Navigating those responsibilities that we all have to navigate at these ages, you know, when fucking families and all that come into play, man. That's, that's exactly what it is, you know. That's yeah. It's, it's yeah, that's my excuse for not releasing for ten years, BS. So you can use that one. But how far? Well, how far through the new record are you? Because Parallel Universe was off a new record. Um, I'm, I'm pretty close to getting it nailed. To I just need to. You got other factors in there with. One, yeah, you've got to allot the time to yourself, but two, you know, next year will mark the twentieth anniversary of my first release. It's yes. like fuck. You know, you, you wanna be you wanna be progressive. So in the first sort of five to ten years you, you have a bump and a progression. Yeah. And then you wanna show a sort of maturity and progression on top of that. So not only are you constricted on time, but your standards for what you wanna do are fucking like going up and up and up. Of course. And then and then it's just like if you continue that cycle, you're just not going to release anything. So I, I feel I've got probably half of it in the bag. Um, uh, a massive shout out to Kowski, who's who's been sick. doing a shit shit ton of work on the new record. That's um, incredible. That's sick. And he's someone who's always just sort of provided energy and guidance and constantly yeah. there to. Because again, during all this sort of the last three years, you've got mates who have gone up and down through their own shit. You hit them up for stuff. And they're like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. And then they go through their own crisis or yeah, yeah. life problem. And then all of a sudden they're on a, a different time frame. And if you're using multiple producers and trying to correlate them all, it becomes a bit difficult. But Kowski has probably produced at least half of the next record and just permanently there fucking ready to rock and roll. So a massive shout out to Kowski. Yeah, big shout out to Kowski. Um, there's some other producers on there. Fucking <clears throat> Insidious might be on there. Oh, um, how do you do? Maybe. Maybe. No, he's on there. He's on there. He's, got <laughs> he's not in the there. studio at the moment either. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's – um. yeah, I hit up Russ. He was, he was one of the dudes that I hit up. So it's a bit of a – I don't usually do mixed producers. That's it. Um, I was going to say that. I don't, I don't usually do it. And that's just – part of that is laziness. Part of that is cohesion. Part yeah. of that is just being a shit beat picker. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so like – You've got no excuse being a shit big pick picker if you just pick one. Exactly. So um, so yeah, there's stuff coming out, and I'm I just need to kind of uh, yeah, stop being such an old fucking man and and, and 
write it and record it and get it done. But but yeah, man, it's coming. It'll be Dude, done this year. It's that energy, bro. It's just that energy, man. And hopefully, fucking hopefully, doing something like this, we can fucking inspire a little bit more of that creativity and that energy, man, because it's necessary. You know, like, dude, it's you know, even like I said, man, just going through your music again this week, man. You know, like I spent a lot of time with Audio Projectile back when that released. You know, or a considerable amount of time. You know, like and but going through the other joints, things that I've missed, like fuck, man. This is, you know, like you got a catalog, dude, and you got an amazing catalog to sort of build off, dude. That foundation is there, you know, and to hear that you are working on new music, you know, like knowing Russ, you know, I know that there's a few things in the works and stuff like that. And working with Cal, dude, that's dope. Working with Kelsky, that's dope, you know. But yeah, like, like you said, man, your records, you've always, you know, you've always sat down with a producer, you know, two buck for, I'm um, not two bucks, sorry, fucking um, platonic, you know, obviously, and um, chasm and shit like that. Okay, let's, okay, hold on. I, I tend to waffles so before we get to your individual releases and stuff you're in nz what are you listening to bro before you come to australia um what i was i was listening to just like sort of the uh, the big albums of the 90s mm-hmm. um so cypress hill black sunday was was getting played a lot through my cousins right buster rhymes was getting played snoop dogg was getting played um like i Take into account I'm eight to ten. Yes. So, yep. so I'm like I'm playing with fucking toys and shit. Yeah. You know, age. Yeah. But still that that still it was that was sort of being there as an influence. But the the hip hop influence is more the, there's a different culture over there in New Zealand than there is to Australia. Yeah. Um diff, different in like it was more broadly accepted to be into hip hop over there because they're all dark skinned and they yep. associate as being black like an african-american so it's yeah. not as just it's not as wildly fucking different as it would have been in the in the 90s in australia yeah. you know getting into it um it's it was in the is in their top 10 a lot it, you know they they had local artists like shafu was number one when i left oh, dude. so like I, I, yeah. like I remember being so young and so naive i walked into hmv asking for i'm like i want the chain song yeah they're like what, yeah they're like what chain song i'm like the the rapper guy and they're like we've, they're like we got allison chains and yeah, i look at the front and i'm like nah that that's not it that's not, <laughs> they're, that's like, not it. they're like i could i couldn't get progress any further than that i couldn't say the artist or it but like chains was fucking huge mm. and and um that's a great those, song too dude that was a great song man those cousins that i was saying that were from auckland they're like yeah i know him or like you know such as such no Shafu or, you know, and then Supergroove was, was he was part of that. And my brother used to be in a Supergroove cover band. And so, and so like, it was, it's sort of more entrenched as a kid that this is acceptable and something to be proud of. And there was a little bit of that sprinkling of this is local stuff too. Like, yeah. this is this is someone not too far away from you. you my mate's mate is this guy, you know, so he's yep. from Auckland. So there's that sort of, like, raise the flag shit, which I think crept in a lot later when I eventually, you know, Went, went the route of Australian hip hop. I was getting flashbacks of, oh, this sort of reminds me of how people were with Shea Fu because yeah, yeah. It, it's their own boy, it's their family, it's local. It's dope to so hear, was, it's not to cut you off, but it's dope to hear Shafu mentioned on this podcast too, because I think the only time he's been mentioned on here, or is it? It's it's a he. Was it a he or they? DLT and Shafu and all that. It was him. Yeah, that's I right. I think I think 
it was he was essentially a solo artist, but I think DLT was the producer helped him. Scott Burns actually brought this up with me recently. Yeah, but um, I think he was a producer who went off and had his own solo shit. But um, the way I always saw it is that Shafu was his, his solo entity outside of Supergroove, where yes. he was a vocalist yeah. for that. But um, that was huge. But like when I was there, I distinctly remember going to like blue light discos and shit and hearing change like fucking four or five times before you left yeah, you know, yeah. it's like that massive jam so um yeah. by the time i went to you know west sydney blue mountains it's like ah, no rap nah. it's just like gone so um yeah you see you're sort of starting from scratch and feeling like a fish out of water because yeah that was it. like i i remember landing in sydney um driving uh down Parramatta road at like 43 degree heat and never even experience 43 degree heat in my life and triple m being on it's no rap crap no rap crap <laughs> and i'm like where the fuck am i yeah, you know, dude, like, yeah. but um yeah that, that was sort of the the primary influences of nz with my cousins um my, my dad being a muso having access to instruments and that sort of planting the seed but then coming into australia and very quickly anything that was there getting repressed and going you can't you can't fly this flag here yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's blonde dudes moshing and shit you know you yeah, know, get with the program yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. 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 that was what nz was to me yeah and then arriving in sydney to that dude that's isn't a bugged out triple m man back in the day that no rap crap thing you know like and then i reckon i'm pretty sure you can turn on triple j a uh, triple fucking triple m now and you'll hear you know like you'll hear house of pains jump around or some shit on there you know like oh, it's, look, they, they've come they've come around a bit but then it's it, like i had triple m on the other day and i just heard fucking stairway to heaven and akadaka and i was like fuck when's it gonna end oh dude <laughs> i know bro i know listen man like she has to all she has to anyone that's into all that sort of but I, f- I fucking hate pub rock man like i just like like you know like listen listen acdc they had hits midnight oil like all like man i can appreciate all those groups that get played on the, that radio station and i appreciate their output but i've just never been a fucking fan of that music man hey eh? like you know i got into mad metal and punk and all that kind of shit like i listen to all various forms of music and everything else but dude just that triple m brand of rock oh my god yeah, I, 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 I know yeah i, I know a lot of people who can't fuck with it i grew up with it yeah. dude like i grew up the same like you know like like that 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 climate you landed in this country too is what we grew up amongst you know and it was just man you know you were listening to del the funky homo sapien man that was some just that was some fucked up out there shit you know like it was verse whatever the fuck was being played on the radio but yeah dude so you land you so you land here you move out to the blue mountains is that right yeah my parents used to live there back in the sort of late 70s so yeah they they were they were doing financially tough over in NZ. My dad was a roofer. Yep. It rains eighty percent of the time over there. It's a pretty stupid fucking trade to do in a place that's raining all the time. So they they thought well, we'll move back to Penrith slash the Blue Mountains where it's pretty much sunny all year round. So yeah, um, it was more of a of a financial decision for them to go back there. Yeah, and um, yeah, so they were based like the Blue Mountains. For anyone who doesn't know, it starts at Penrith and goes all the way up to fucking, it's like 200 k's straight into the bush. Okay. So we, we grew up right in the middle of it. So from the the lower mountains, which they call it from Penrith to Springwood, that's where I grew up. Mm. Or that's I, like I lived in Springwood, but I spent a lot of time doing footy and skating um, down from from Springwood to Penrith. Yeah, okay. And then, and then as I got older and got into fucking 
as you said, more out there shit, you go up. And anything sort of north or anything, you know, higher than, than Springwood was where things started to get more alternative, yeah. bit left green, for lack of a better term, more artistic. Um, the Norman Lindsay Gallery, I'm pretty sure, is like a couple of Ks up the road. It starts to get, it starts to become more alternative and more creative. The higher you sort of go up until you get to Katoomba, which is, it's about an hour up from Penrith, and then you can go further up. And yeah, okay. uh, I'm not a fucking geography teacher. It goes up. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's yeah. like it's 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 like a vast area, and that's why if you're talking about the mountains and and trust me, over the years I've talked a fuck ton about it. Um, it's a huge area where I I don't know from how far is it from Brizzy to the Gold Coast. Oh uh, like, well, yeah, well Brizzy to the Gold Coast is probably you know a 50 minute drive with no traffic, 45 50 minutes with no traffic. You know, if, so if you do that limited traffic, do that one point five. Yep, that's the that's the mountains. Yeah. So you can say, oh, you blue mountains. You got so many so many things popping. It's like it's a fucking huge area. Man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A vast area and a lot <laughs> that, going and on. And then there was like, yeah. So there was um. So as as a sort of kid, I was into sort of a lot of the lower mountain stuff. Yep. Um, footy and skateboarding and all that sort of shit, and that's sort of where skateboarding in particular. Things turned around where you know that seed that sort of planted in NZ. It's like, oh, it's okay to listen to rap because all we're doing is listening to rap on on fucking skating yeah. um, videos. Yeah, of course. So, and there was a huge um, there was a huge skate community, and it was pretty strong. There was some really good skateboarders came out of the Blue Mountains. Dustin Dolan was from Katoomba. I don't know the dude, but he would rock up a few times, just fucking slay it. Yeah. And um, and there was a, and then through that um. Yeah, it, it sort of started to turn around where I was in bands like yourself. You were saying into punk and metal. Yeah, dude. All of my friends that I acquired from 96 through to the sort of 2000 area, they were all punk metal dudes. Yes. And um, yep. and then as the shorties fulfill your dream and, and uh, the end birdhouse and all these sort of skate, you know, these essentially white skateboarding things that are pumping throughout Australia listening to rap, it became okay to listen to rap. Yeah, and, dude. Um, yeah. And sort of. It, you know, use it or utilize it like it's an instrument. So um, that that was sort of the transition from NZ to the Blue Mountains. Yeah. From between sort of 10 to 14, 15, which is when I started fucking, fucking around with raps properly or trying to fuck around with it properly. Well, so, that, um, well, that's even what you say. I think, what, what joint is it? What joint do you say that on? Um, you know, you sort of, you, you start picking up the pen at 14, don't you? Thereabouts. And start sort about of taking, that, yeah. Start taking it a bit more seriously. What what inspired you to pick up the pen? Um, oh, I, be, hope, I mean, I be, have, beyond the music, think, not to cut you off, but beyond the music itself, like were, were there other people around you that were starting to write raps at that point? Hell no. Nah, that's, yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> it was fucking like um, I don't know, man. Like it, when you think of middle of the butt fuck nowhere places, there there were not there were slim pickings yeah. for um. For people who are doing anything like you, know, if you find like you was, you know, you're honestly going to keep using the Dell reference you use. Yeah, it was just no one doing anything outside of the box. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And if they were, they were really strange folk. You know, yes. there were people who were into like fucking Mr. Bungle and yeah, yeah, intimate set. And so if they were fucking around with sort of um, trying to loop shit and sample shit, if they were if they were hip enough to know what a sample was, they were usually fucking str strange people. Mm. Or like the people that I was growing up, they were like you know great bass players who who were you know playing their bass and then looping some fucking breaks and shit and then I, I would try and you know ingratiate my way into their into their circles like no this guy's too fucking 
normal yeah, yeah, <laughs> too yeah. mainstream yeah, yeah, to yeah, fuck yeah. with me you know yeah. so um it, it was slim pickings for a bit but um that's probably where joe knew would enter the fucking lineage yeah is that um he was he was there and he was the only dude i knew who rapped like that's his thing is is joe was joe was the og rapper from where we grew up so we grew i grew up spring when he was in Wimalee, which are really co close together and he's five years older than me so by the time i'm sort of 13 14 um he was like 18 19 and it was known that joe was the rapper yes and and um you go to your party you get drunk you do whatever and out the back there would be the cypher the cypher is just him fucking slaying <laughs> yeah. just absolutely slaying like yeah. a fucking stand-up comic just on a fucking soapbox just killing it and um and i was like okay that's the guy i've got to fucking impress that guy i've got to fucking become his mate yeah. and obviously i'm quite a lot younger he's drinking and you know got girlfriends and licenses and shit and i'm just skating on the corner so um yeah man it was operation become joe's mate for a little bit <laughs> operation become <laughs> joe's mate was a song like if you don't if you don't mind me just asking and it might be a little bit off but like a song like outcast is that kind of born out of just that feeling of being the outcast here yeah a little bit like i never really delved too heavily into that tune as to where it came from yeah like um like it, I, but it's a funny, and I'll probably get to it further down. But by the time I wrote that, which was the first solo record, I was pretty, you know, I, I'd, I'd gone through a trajectory of doing groups and and meeting with Joe and starting down on the beach with them and going through whatever they went through. And by the time I got to the solo record, I was um I was a little bit done with music. Yeah, yeah right. I was twenty one ish. Yeah, and um and I thought I was going to retire. No <laughs> I, thought shit. Was like, I thought that was it. I thought that was the age where you like you settle down, yeah, you're done. get your job, and like, buy your house and fucking pull your socks up. I thought that, I thought it was going to be at that age, yeah, because I'd sort of been with DUB from 15 through to 21 slash 22. So that's like five six years, and and when you're that age, it's like over a quarter of your life. Oh, I can't. You, that's you, that's exactly what it is. So you, you kind of you feel like it's oh my god, I've done this for six years. Now I just fucking blink. I think yeah. shit, your six years disappears. So yeah, it's like yeah. so it's like um back then it was a big deal. Like I've done this for so long, I haven't tried any other opportunities. So I'm gonna fucking you know I'm gonna call it pack it in and then it sort of turned around that um the solo situation presented itself yeah so um like the the themes of that that album i'm not going to say that i just kind of just spat them out or shout them out but mm. like I, I was i was a little bit fatigued um even conceptually by that stage for me it feels like a, a generic like fuck the man sent sentiment yeah. which is is like i had you know like, and that sounds like a fucked up thing to say but i feel like a lot of my songs are a generic fuck the man sentiment you well, know? Like, dude, i mean that, that's that goes for a lot of us you know man i, I yeah. would say i would say the same thing about my song all my songs you know the majority of them anyway like i but you know to be 21 and putting out that kind of music and i, I mean i want to get into down i mean the you know like the impact of down under beats crew and all that kind of thing i just want to get into just you know following this but like i mean outcast like thematically and um you know lyrically what you were doing at 21 dude to be fatigued by 21 with music fuck that's something man you know like fuck where I, I from my standpoint I, I don't think i was even finding my strides until my late 20s you know like that's 
That's crazy, dude. Because you're, man, like seriously, to be 21 dropping joints like Outcast and, you know, some of the other joints on Cycles of Survival and stuff, man, they're, you know, there's some killer joints. Some fucking really good music, man. Really, really well written music too for the age, you know? Like, man, I couldn't imagine writing. Like, you know, I often think like fucking Ice Cube and them. They wrote, like, you know, Ice Cube writes fucking America's Most Wanted at 18 years of age. Nas writes Illmatic at a similar age, you know? I, I hear those records and I go, how the fuck, you know? Like, I can't write that shit at fucking 40, you know? Like, it's just, it's bugged yeah. out. It's, you know, like. I can, I, can, I, can, I can hear a bit of what you're saying because I've, I've found, I've cleaned out my garage and found old DUB CDs mm, mm. and they're demos that never made the cut or yep. whatever they got lost. And, and some of them, like I listened to them, me rapping and writing and rapping and trying to do my, my thing at 15 and just go, holy fuck, not much changed. Like a lot of the, the ingredients were there and they got tweaked and they got, you know, yep. they yep. went up and down or whatever. But um, yep. I think, I think, you know, I've, I've always looked at rapping from a very rhythmical perspective. Yeah. So um, it was always rhythm first. Yeah. Um, a lot of like when you're 15, what do you have to say? Yeah, exactly. Like, you, really, exactly. Like, you don't have anything to say. Exactly. Like, bro. I was trying to like I was reading the Dalai Lama book, so I referenced the Dalai Lama a few times. It's like, dude, you have nothing to say. Yeah, you yeah, have, yeah. Like, you have zero content. Yeah. I went to school. Mum made me dinner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Like you, you don't. So it was all just rhythm. Yeah. And, um, tried to and finger so bang. Like a, a, tried to finger bang a girl on the school bus or some shit. You know, like you know, like what that, are you gonna fucking talk about, man? That's it. That'd be a sick tune. I, I didn't even have that. that that's a tune. That <laughs> but yeah, dude, I didn't even have that level. But seriously, yeah. at twenty-one, what you were doing? But yeah. Anyway, let let's get to that. Let's get to that. Down under beats crew. So you formed that with Joe New. Um. It was it was started by. Two DJs sort of held that name or that acronym DUB, and that was DJ Platterpush and Codex. Oh yeah, uh, right. yep. they they were the integral sort of nucleus of what that was. Yep. I had no idea that they existed. They're up in Katoomba. I don't really go up there, yep. so um, they're up they're upper mountains. I was very unsavvy to what upper mountains sort of life and culture and the alternative nature of it. I was you know meat pies, footy, and fucking. Penrith, Springwood. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was more of the skater dude. Joe was the basketball dude. I was young. Um, I had some somehow weaseled my way into Joe's circle by just doing like nonsensical fast rap, whatever yeah. he would rap. Yeah. Uh, so his his poignant makes sense. And um, you know, we we weren't we weren't really hip to the Australian hip hop thing. Or I wasn't. He sort of was a bit because he was older. Yeah. And um. And then when, when he started freestyling, he's like, you know, we got to dead the accent. I was like, okay. Yeah. So, like, he, he schooled me a little bit in that sort of regard. Um, and, and then he started telling me that he was, like, it was just me and him, sort of duo style, just fucking rocking up to parties, a bottle of Jim Beam. He'd have a stick maybe, um, campfire rap. It was probably that for the a solid year. Yep, the essentials. And then... Um, <clears throat> He just turns around and he just says, oh, yeah, I'm part of a rap group. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. How are you part of the rap group? And he goes, oh, I went up to, to Treselli's, which is this place in Katoomba, and he's like, but these DJs, and they took me back, and they got the studio, and they gave me some beats, and, yeah, we're making an album. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, where, yeah. where, where do I fit in? And he's like, well, it's kind of full. You know, it's doing, it's doing the two DJs. I'm a rapper. There's another rapper. 
Uh, I've asked them about you, and they kind of said they're done. Like, they're full. It's, it's, it's done. No shit. And then they, they were going to do their, their first show, which is like a, a youth center show. This was like 01, I think. And then um, they, did their, they did their show, and I brought all my skate mates up, like all 20 of them. And that was the crowd. Uh, and then um, <laughs> yeah. it's a youth center gig. And I was just like, I'm going to fucking fuck these cunts up. Yeah, and then yeah. um, I, jumped, I jumped on stage and I just kicked the most blistering rap I could. And then um, and then they sort of pulled me aside afterwards and they said, oh, yeah, they, they think there's room for one more. Yes. I was just like, I had one at life. Yeah. So um, so they, 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 they were a little bit older than um, Joe as well. So I was like the young dude by, by quite a lot. And, um, yeah, they took me under their wings, schooled the shit out of me. Massive shout-outs to um, Platypus Codex down on the beach. That was where it started. There was another rapper in there from the from the get-go, um, Immune. Immune. So he was a writer. Yep. So he he was um, he was sort of writing and rapping, and there was Joe, myself, Immune, um, Platypus Codex. That was sort of that was the, the group. Yep. And then um, 13 Sun out of basic equipment was jumping on a few tracks because he knew Immune. Yeah, that's right. And that was sort of what, what it was. And then, then so from sort of 2001 to 2003, we just like literally the first raps I ever wrote went onto that record, which was sort of released late 03, 04. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Although, although I look on it sort of fondly, it's just like don't listen to that record. <laughs> don't listen to Hip Operation? <laughs> hip Operation? Please, please do. Like you can just skip every single song I'm on. Yeah, like, <laughs> don't shit on it. I'm not on those tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> well, but, yeah, but, but, I mean, working with 13th Sun, you know, like in that era and fucking and Joe New and all that kind of thing, man, yeah. Because you do, you don't show up on everything, do you? You're on Misty Mountains, you're on a handful of them. A couple of them. Yeah. Like we were more working as a, as a collective. Yes. A, yeah. Like it was a collective. It was like a... Um, you know, not not sound bombing level, but it was it was like there, there's the DJs, the producers, and they yeah. got these rappers sort of swinging in and off um, different tunes. But um, yeah, like I was I was just mega green and naive, and they they sort of schooled me, and they started putting on shows. Um, they hooked up with some local, so like it's it's worth mentioning in that era there was there was two places called Tresellis and Gearins. Tresellis was like a a live venue, like a jazz bar, if you will owned by a, a manager promoter called Pixie and he would just put on like sort of jazz artists and, and DJs and drum and bass nights and whatever. And, and out of that, we, we had an incredibly strong scene. Yeah. Like, um, you know, the first, first down on the beach shows had, you know, three to 500 people there. That's like, incredible. Religiously. Yeah. And it was because the skate skater dudes would be there. The basketballer dudes would be there. The hippies would be there, the raptors would be there, the people who just want to get fucked up would be there. So it was like it, they, it all culminated and came together at that exact time and place. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we were doing gigs every week or at least every two weeks for years. That's so that's, where, that's sort of like the backstory to why you'll be burnt out at 21. Yeah, you get to 21. It's just like I've been doing six years of fucking back-to-back gigs. And um and not really getting too far out of the blue bounds. We did a few places in Canberra and New- Newcastle, but it wasn't interstate. Yeah. And um, it was just a huge time period, it, it, you know, for there. Like all all of that sort of ugly duckling J five funky shit was Definitely. just getting lapped the fuck up up there. Yes. And um yep. 
and then a few promoters capitalized on it. So we had Rival from Sydney who would bring up basic equipment people. So we had Sleeping Monk, Hijack, Bones, Coolism, um, you know, even Blissinesso was coming up there. So like, we were just, it was just a fucking he incredibly healthy place. Here I am sitting there just going, oh, there was no one, there was no DJs, no producers, it was in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. And then it, you just have this gateway to us. It's like, no, there's fucking heaps of resource here. It's an incredibly resourceful area yeah. for an artist, or was at that time. And there was a lot of support. So um, I was incredibly fortunate to have it. But, you know, after a few years, it started to run its course. And, and that's where you get to the 21-year-old dude who feels like he's washed up and like, yeah. yeah and like I didn't mention that we got got it triple down earth in that. Listen, as well, so. dude, I was about I was just about to interject. I was just about to say. I mean, for all the effort and you know, as you felt it wound down. I mean. Use guys, um, use get not picked up by Triple J, but you get the um, what, what the fuck do they call that thing? The bloody um, the unearth. the unearth man, the unearth, <clears throat> and that was one of those. That was one of the last unearths, wasn't it? Before they did the whole unearth station or Triple J digital thing. I believe so. Yeah, I think it was one of the last sort of. There, I think. Look, fuck, man, I don't really know, but I, the way I felt it went into us winning was there was one winner. Yeah, there was like this is the unearthed band or artist, and That's then right. on the year we did it, they split it, and then like a we won it, and then a punk fan won it, and so we it was sort of a a sign of where they were going to go. Yeah. Um, where it wasn't just this definitive. This is the band that is the shit because that's a lot of pressure in that in itself. It was like. Um, they're like these. These are people to look out for, sort of thing. So, um, oh, dude, and and yeah, you and you like you know you know winning that at that point in time was a huge look. I mean, I remember I was working. I was doing my trade at the time. I was in a fucking factory all day, and I'm hearing Down Under Beats crew win that uh, Triple J Unearth thing, man. And you know, like for those listening that don't really sort of know the history, and I don't know the history as well as you know some might. But I mean, pre prior winners were acts like Grinspoon, Killing Heidi, uh, George from Brisbane. You know, these were massive acts that would go on to huge success, you know, and fuck, sure as shit, we see a, um, you know, we see a local hip-hop act out of the Blue Mountains, you know, and getting fucking Triple J on Earth, man, that was huge, dude. That was huge. You know, regardless regardless of how fatigued you were by, you know, what you were doing at that point, man, which you would be, you know, doing so many gigs, but then you hit that. I mean, that must have been a bit of, that must have been a bit of a battery, at least, you know, a bit of a battery in the back. Oh, for sure. I think I don't think the fatigue was there at that point. Yeah. I think it was what, trying to capitalize on it, which may have become fatigue. So no, it was like, exactly. um, yeah, it's like, like a, I think they had a lot of iterations of, of these competitions where where hip hop artists would win. Yeah, and um, they they'll come from nowhere. They're not sort of really known. Then all of a sudden they get shit tons of radio play, and then they're not known. And like I think that um, I think that happened a few times, not just with Down Under Beats. And I'm not saying that we sort of were known, they're not known, but I, I could understand the trajectory of you know, you're operating and doing your thing and then all of a sudden you've got this turbo thrust behind you that you either capitalise on mm. or you fuck up and squander it. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like, it, I don't think it was, at that particular stage, as I said, the, the earliest shit I'd ever written went onto that record and then there was a track Joe and I had done, which was just the, the obligatory drinking party track, um, uh, Ken uh, Platypus had just submitted it and didn't think anything of it. He, we're getting some community radio play uh, from 2SER and FBI radio. And fuck, I wish I remembered the other ones, but I can't. Yeah. We're getting some community radio love. And so um, 
we just kind of thought that was it. Or, you know, I, I was just chuffed to be a part of a crew. Like, yeah, dude, period. Yeah. You know, like, I, I thought I had won by just being in the crew. Yes. So, um, and, then, and then we're doing the gigs. Like, taking to to consideration, like I'm 15, 16, getting yeah. paid to rap, like getting paid to rap and getting free alcohol. Like <laughs> I can't even can't. explain how, I, I thought I had just fucking aced it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Shit dreams are made of. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, um, you know, it, it sort of, I think he got contact and said we were the finalists. So he said, Hey, you know, like, and I didn't, I wasn't like, I listened to the, the Jays a little bit. A lot of my mates did a lot of the, the skateboarding mm. community. I, I was in, we're constantly listening to Triple J, then you the presenters and the what was high rotation. I wasn't hugely a, a Triple J fan, but he's like, oh, you know, this is competition and we're finalists. And I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe my mates might hear our track on Triple J, maybe. And then um, and then they call me one morning when I'm going, I think it was going to school. So I was still in school. <laughs> I could call me and they're just like, I think it was Robbie Buck from Triple J. He's like, you've won Triple J on Earth. And I'm like, ah, fucking whatever. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And, and so, like, that's how young I was and that's how sort of green and naive I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then that translated to, like, it was just a shit ton of radio play pretty yeah, much. Yeah. But um, they organized a few gigs. They sold out. It's like the Metro sold out. So when you're playing the sold out Metro, you're still not even 18. I'm like, Dude. It's, it's incredible. You Dude. know, it's a... It's a it's a bizarre like you know, if we we do that lineage you know you grow up in New Zealand move to you know, Southwest Sydney or South Sydney when you know, West Sydney when you're ten, rap fourteen seventeen you sold out Metro it's a fuck ton of shit happening bro, to get there bro yeah, you're, so. you're you're living the dizzying heights of rock stardom as a fucking teenager bro <laughs> you know I didn't even know I didn't even know what not was dissimilar to you know, Silverchair just- man you know like fuck. <laughs> That shit's unreal. So yeah, it was a it was a lot to take in, and I think you know we we try to take it in our stride and let it not affect what we're doing. But it, there was a little bit playing into one one we didn't know who was in the group definitively. Yeah. So um we ended up we ended up getting on top of that. So the first album which was Hip Operation was done with as a collective. The second one we sort of narrowed it back, and then the two rappers were were Joe. And myself, yeah. and then the two producers, and then we went into under wraps. Um, and then by the time we, by the, by the time that had finished, we talking oh six ish, oh seven ish. The second album came out. They didn't give it much fanfare. They didn't give it much play. It was a little bit of a we're going to play your first shit. We're not going to play the second shit. We went in a different direction anyway, so it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like it was it was triple J unfriendly. But we def- definitely didn't remake a bunch of cloud seven songs about partying and fucking yeah. carrying on. So, so like, um, you know, it, it basically is as far as the amount of love it was given, it was given like a su- substantial lack of love. And, um, and, and like, you know, we, we knew that we were still part of the scene. We're still doing shit with basic equipment. We're still fucking with people in Sydney and stuff, but we, we kind of felt like more, I, I feel like that group had more of a foot in the camp of the underground than Triple J, yes, yeah, and 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 that and that we and that that line sort of culled it off, and they said, "No, we're not going to fucking play five tunes mm. of yours every mm. day for a week." You know, whatever whatever sprinkling and love you got is done. Yeah, and yeah. I and I don't think it, it I don't think that was really the be all end all of why that group never continued. But that, that's a to be that young and and to be that. At that infancy, while that turbo thrust is put behind you, it's a difficult thing to deal with. Oh, so fuck like yeah. Collaborating with people, period, is hard. Yes. So um, yep. to do it when you're fucking 17, 18, and 
and deal with, you know, trying to, is it radio friendly? Is it not radio friendly? Is Sarek going to think it's fucking lame? You know, like, yeah, 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 <laughs> you're yeah, juggling yeah. heaps of shit. Yeah, for absolutely, a, for bro. A kid, you know? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Because at the end of the day, you really just got, you, you know, you want to make something your peers around you, you know, like they're, they're, they're the ultimate sort of um, critic, you know, like they're the ultimate fucking fan critic, whatever. They're the people that you make it for. You're not making it so. I mean, you weren't making, none of those joints were made specifically to go on the radio. It was that needle in a haystack type thing do you also view it as you know and not to not to shit on what it was at the time because it was a it's, a it's a monumental achievement but did you view it as with the lack of you know the kind of lack of um support the following down under beats releases got did you view what they did for you guys at that point as almost just a token sort of thing because you know the 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 the, the australian hip-hop scene was beginning to bubble you know like we had maddie last week you know like fridays was a big song around that time you know like we were starting to get those joints the hoods were starting to pop you know, like, do you reckon they were just they were just trying to look for something or someone? Um, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, and no. Like, I, I think that I think we could have, if we wanted to capitalize on that wave uh, more, we possibly could have. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think what you're saying um, is that you know, there's probably a very big and steep evolution of music from say 2003 to 2006. Yeah, very much They're, so. They're very critical years. Yeah, 100%. in the context of what was coming out, you know, there were there was some huge developments, particularly with how the commercialization of of how artists were like. We're, if you go back to 2003, there is no there is no nosebleed section. No, you know there there is there, there's there's no hoods that we know as the hoods now. That's right. So um. So when we got unearthed, which was late 2003, going into 2004, that's at the exact time the nosebleed section and the calling comes out. Yeah, true, so, true. So there's a, there's a very big difference as to what you're going up against. Mm. Um, if you if you rewind a year and you go late 2002, um, you know you, you're you're competing with a different level of commerce, commercialization 100%. and quality. You know, as as opposed to the end of 2003. Yeah. And so from the end, so from 2003, 2004 through 2006, seven, there's a fucking massive jump in what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Uh, as to who's getting paid, what's getting played, uh, what's getting dissed, what's not getting dissed. You're like, there's just this massive explosion yep. of, of shit going on. And our album, our sophomore album, just happened to fall directly in that period. Yeah, right. And, in the um, mix. You know, you know, like, um, yeah, like I could t- probably talk about that sort of shit for ages, but it, it was what it was. We mm. we made the record. I'm pretty proud of what we did. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of the shit I wrote in that period, like post, you know, hey, this is my first shit, comes out on a record, fuck, I wish I didn't do it. Uh, now I can learn from it and actually grow and try to be a, a good artist. A lot of the stuff I didn't use <laughs> weirdly ended up being my Dietrich solo shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. so like there was a fuckload of stuff i was writing at the time i was hungry as hell yeah and um and not only that like we had low tech low tech hi-fi the producer for roots maneuver he stayed in the blue mountains for a bit we almost had a whole album with him wow so he was on he was on the second down on the beach record there's almost an album worth of shit with him i'm on his album that came out here international brew boy yeah um but but that one track there was there's maybe 10 other tunes so there was like um oh three oh four we dropped dub um in in those years leading up to dub we had an album with dub and low tech 
and then directly after that, I go straight into Chasm. Yes. So I was, um, yeah, yeah. So then help. Uh, I met up with Chasm in Sydney. I help him, him out. I, I, he was the first person I ever just thought I'm going to randomly hit him up to beats and just uh, do this shit. And then he gave me some. I rapped on him, and that was as, as I'm saying. That was the point where I was just like, I'm kind of done. I'm tired. Um, I, I don't know what else I'm good at in life. Uh, if I have any other skills, all, yeah. I've, all, I've, all I've done is you know sort of jump on stage and get drunk since I'm 15. Maybe yeah. there's other shit I'm good at. And uh, and as I'm and thinking all these thoughts, like oh we're packing it in, and we really wanted to get signed and all that sort of shit. Um, you know, Kaz gets back to me. He's like, oh you know I showed you a track to Pigs. He really likes it. He thinks you should you should do a solo record and get signed. Mm. <laughs> it was just like, wow. wow. You know, like it was like a, yeah, it was so many sh- so much shit going on. Like I, I had a semi-serious relationship at the time, and and um, thinking, oh, you know, do you have kids? Do you, have, you know, buy a house and yeah. be a normal, be a normo, be a normal person, yeah. whatever. And then, um, and then the one person I've been trying to get to sign me for for years, just like, no, no, I'll do that if you're solo. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I don't even know how to write a solo record. Dude. Dude. So, yeah. How, did, how does that, like, I mean, obviously the dynamic of the crew changes, but following that, um, un, like, following that unearthed and going into 2000, and, you know, be, between 03, 04, and then going into 2007, how does the dynamic in the crew change? Is there a pressure amongst you guys? You guys kind of like, you know, because you said before about either capitalizing or squandering this opportunity. How do you feel you went with that opportunity? Did the, like, did the dynamic change? Did all of a sudden, did you guys go, okay, we want to specifically write, you know, we got to make that joint or we got to, you know, you know where I'm going? A like, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely there. Yeah. Like we, we might've pretended it wasn't there. Yeah. Or I might've pretended it wasn't there, but it was actually in the back of my head. It's just like, I think, I think when you do something and then it gets a, an unnecessary amount of attention, you wonder why it gets the attention. Yes. Like we look back at cloud seven and go, what the fuck was it that made that win? Yeah. 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 You know, was it, was it the sample? Was yeah. it the keys? There's no hook on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. It, so it's clearly must be the sample or the content. You know, do they want an album worth of beer trick and shit? Is it the lazy cut? You know, do we do an album worth of lazy cuts? You yeah, know, like, true. It's, 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 it's just um, you sit there questioning going, why in the hell do, out of all the songs in the country or on this record is this getting love? And yeah. I think that's a universal feeling. I've done it uh, many times after. Yes. Uh, if something gets unnecessary love or what you think is unnecessary, like why why do they like this? You sit back and try to evaluate and go, fuck, is it this, 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 this? And then after a while, like I'm sure other other people have felt it. You get confident and you just do shit. Yeah. And it gets some love. But um, but if you psychoanalyze and, and try, I think it definitely shows in the music. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to say that there was a hell of a lot, but there was a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it was more rejecting where people think we might go. Mm. It was more just going. We want to be taken serious. We we based our shit on Deathwish casts. You know, we yeah. we're gigantic Deathwish cast and Task Force fans. You know, we we don't want to be seen as. And I'm not going to mention any names because <clears throat> I'm not that dude. But there there were those Triple J competition winner bands, and we didn't want to be. I knew I didn't want to be one of them. Yeah, I don't want to be that that exactly. guy from. You know that special lake in the middle of the country that won. Yeah. You know that special competition. Now that tune's getting smashed. Um, so we were serious, yeah. and um, it, it for many. T- and I also think that we were probably, and, and I'm trying to say this in the nicest way, we're probably like 
far more rooted in the camp of live shows than the studio. Yeah, 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 um, definitely. definitely. We, we could smash a live show, yeah. but um, we probably had quite a lot to go as far as our evolution as studio artists. Yeah, so, dude. Um, oh, man, I can... That's where I can leave it with that. That's nah, dude. And, and, and like, leaving it there, I can identify with that 100% because I come from 750. And 750, like, everyone goes, where was the music? Where was the music? Dude, we are a live act. Like, we were heavily rooted in that live show thing and it never necessarily, you know, translated to the studio in some capacity. But for the most part, for whatever it was, it was really, it was a, it was a live thing, you know, and we... That's where, uh, you know, that's where our focus was specifically through those years, dude, through these years we're talking about, you know, 100%, dude. I get that. I get that 100%. What was the difference between the Underwraps CD album and the Underwraps 12? So was the 12 just, that was fucking joints off Underwraps? It, it was just a shorter version. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a, it's just a um, I, I, I can't even remember how that came about, but it was just yeah. a, sort of the best tracks. Yeah. We, we, got, we, this is, this is how far back it goes. I think the large part of us pressing that wax was so that we could have cuts for our show. Yeah. yeah. Cause we didn't have Serato. So exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. there's like, there's a, there's a little reel in there of, of Kem and Cody's cuts. Yeah. <laughs> like where, where it's like, ah, you know, like, yeah, what that? you know, yeah. whatever, you know, they, they pressed it. Like also, obviously it's a, to be on wax, but um, yeah, I think it was a financial thing. Like if we could have done the whole, if we could have done both of the albums as proper LPs, they would have done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it's, it's the, the, the parallels are fucking. The parallels are unreal, man. Because we did the same thing. You put all the cuts. Like I think at the end of the seven fifty vinyl or something like that, the one twelve we ever put out. There's a little scratch appella. You know, you go back to Rob Nats and Night on the Tiles. There's a scratch appella there. Like you know, I remember we spoke to Jay Red, and it was just so he had all these cuts on wax and all these cuts <laughs> all lined up on that's a fucking it. record, and well, he could use them. That's it. And yeah. and also like you know, before the luxury of Serato, we we knew when the the dudes were cutting. That you didn't jump around. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, dude. Exactly. Still like a statue and didn't move <laughs> until they finished the cut. Yeah. And then you started fucking getting live because yeah, if you dude. fucked a cut, <laughs> so um, you know, it was just it was there's a beauty to to that period and and the, and the turntables as an instrument too. Oh man, it just affected everything. It affected what you pressed. It affected how he performed. That's who right. walked where on the stage it was. It was fucking awesome, right? You know, I can't, I can't, you know, underestimate how pivotal Down on the Beats were as, as getting my whole fucking aura in tune with live shows. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. It, like they, we were a live, live group, and I don't think I've done a show since Down on the Beats that's ever trumps Down on the Beats. Some of the shows I've done with DV were just, just – we, we based our module of Def Wish. Yeah. And so, like, that – we wanted to be like Death Wish cars. Yep. And, and there's, there's a me before seeing Death Wish and there's a me after seeing Death Wish. And yeah. So shout out to fucking the whole crew. Uh, so as soon as them being from where we were and, and seeing them perform, we support them in like, I think it was 03 or 04. Yeah. The first time I ever saw them live. And I just was like, I was just fascinated from where they position the MC on stage or like that dude's rapping his verse. He's in the center of the stage, two guys back. They're like a meter back, either side doing the, doing the backup backups. Yeah. And then when, when fucking Dicey's rapping, he's, he's center stage and they switch. Mm. Like I just never seen that shit before. The and, dynamic, and, the and, dynamic and how they worked it. You just dropped so, your phone. <laughs> I just dropped my, my headpiece. But, um, that was, that was hugely what we were about was the, the live show. And, um, and so yeah, that that was what the main shit I got out of 
down on the beats. And, yeah, dude. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, and an amazing period regardless, man, regardless, you know, like fucking – what was – do you – I mean, obviously, you clearly remember your first Death Wish cast experience. What? Where was it? Um, after that show in 01 where I tried to do that blistering rap and get into the crew, they took me back to um, – they took me back to their place and we were just chilling and they're having a few billies and drinks or whatever. And they're like, you remind me of this dude. He was a really young rapper too. Yeah. They're like, here's fucking Knights of the Underground Table. <laughs> and like, I was, I was a huge, um, like my, my, I was very disjointed as to what I was into at that particular stage. Like, as again, I was very rhythmical. I was, I was into rappers who were basically just fucking drum beating the bars. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, it was like Pharaoh, was a massive Pharaoh fan, organized confusion and, um, and, and other cheesy shit, but it was largely Pharaoh and, and, um, and then they, they showed me nights of the underground table. And it, even though it was like sort of that ragga, more regimented patterns, mm. I was like, this dude fucking rips. Yeah. It just fucking like blew my mind away. Yeah. And um, he was the first Australian rapper I really liked. Like I'd, I'd heard other shit, but it wasn't kicking. It didn't have, there was this particular spark and energy behind the delivery. Well, on the minute. Well, on the hour. It just, was just like yelling Beastie oh, Boys shit. Dude, it was so, um, hyper kinetic fucking frenetic <laughs> energy, you know? Like it was crazy, man. Crazy. So they, they kind of, um, yeah, they, they um, put me onto that album. And then so like I was a big fan of fast raps and then they're from West Sydney or, you know, from that area and, and then I, I enjoyed the record. And then, and then it was sort of like I just wanted to see if he could do it live. I wanted to see if he lived up to the, the energy. And fucking when I saw him, it was just blew my mind. Yeah, dude. It, was, yeah, it just blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um. And I was doing a lot of fast shit too, and I was wondering if people were going to get pissed off, um, you know, with the comparisons. And then, and then I remember Simon and Pavlo pulled me aside after I think it was a Celsius launch where mm. we supported, and he's just like, "Dude, I'm so glad someone's doing this shit." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's only doing this shit the whole, you know, the whole time, and no one else is doing it. He's like, "Yeah, you, you get my pass. I get, I, you know." condone what you're doing that just meant the world is like the another milestone is having death wish and and the rest of the crew and they give you the so they're down so yeah. so like back further back to what you're saying before about dub and the pressure of fucking triple j we gave more shit about what death wish would say of course if, yep. if we yep. got played and i think that showed in the record and i think it showed now it got played mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So following down under beats crew so you're still a member of down under beats crew and what chasm discovers you specifically we, we kind of we had sort of met from i said low tech before yeah mentioned him he was doing shoot with astronomy class and um oh. and i think he had a gig lined up where he pulled out of yeah and um <clears throat> fucking dude just not to, not to cut you off but astronomy class was a great group out of sydney man eh? that was a fucking they, dude. they, they were like they 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 did some great records. Great and, records, um, and I love and I love Aussie Battler. Like yeah, I, I yeah. love, I just, I, I just love him as a dude and love yeah. him as an, an artist. I had a lot of respect for him back then. And I think there was a show where um, Low Tech was supposed to do features. He wasn't going to do it, um, so he'd asked me to fill in, and I think I, I'd filled in for a few few verses, and that's how I met Chasm. 
Okay. So it was, it was still through it was still through a sort of connection of, of doing shit with Down Under Beats. And then uh, as we was as I was thinking, I was calling it a day. Um, I had already hit up Kaz for some shit. I was writing it, and I just didn't give a fuck. Uh, I was more at that stage um, of trying to hone myself as a as a rapper and thinking this will be the last shit you do, so make it good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. like make make the shit good. I think I wrote. Um, don't let your guard down. Think if that was going to be my spawn song. <laughs> like that, that, that's <laughs> yeah. the end. This yeah. is the end. So like, make it good. Make it, make it a good track because this is the last one you're going to do. And I wrote it, fucking recorded it, pissed off and moved back to the mountains, did whatever. And then um, that was when I got the call or I think we're doing a show. And, and Kaz said, you know, Pegs really likes it. P.S. We were trying to get signed as down in the beats to OBs for a minute, but I'm sure he's getting signed during that 0306 period. I'm sure he's getting it up for fucking everybody. And um, he's like, yeah, Pegasus told me if you do this for a whole record, he'll sign it. I'm like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. That's fucking, you guys talk a shit. And then it just kept getting said and said and said and said. And then eventually um, I think he got, I got his number or he got my number and we had a chat. And um, and I was still, at this period, I was still tight with Joe New PS. So, like, we were doing other shit that wasn't down under the beats. We sort of finished with that and parted with that and we were working on another project which was ten- tentatively called the gatekeepers knowing perfectly well we can't use that name yeah, so it's yeah. sort of like um it was just a, a name it was a line joe used that like we're the gatekeepers of the blue mountains or some shit yeah so we we used that scott burns had down on the beats down for a, a like a tour for lookup yep and um and anyway, I, I, Pegs calls me up and he's just like, you know, what are you working on? I said, I'm working on this, this album with Joe New. It's called The Gatekeeper. He's like, are you going to do a solo album? And I'm like, well, no. It's <laughs> 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 no. not kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. P.S. I just had done no solo shit. Like I was always a fucking crew rapper. Yes. You know. And so um, he's like, if you send me a few demos. <laughs> fuck, just drop my fucking if you send me a few demos um, and they're of the quality of what you've been doing, I, I'd probably back it. That's a like, fuck. All right. Yeah. So um, I got my solo and I went and had a, a place to myself in the Blue Mountains. I wrote a four-track demo um, and inclusive of those demos was Outcast. So that's why when, when you brought it up, I was a little bit flippant. Yeah. Like, that, that was part of the demo I flicked through to, to Pegs to get signed. So he loved he loved that that tune. He just like, dude, that's your single. We're like, okay, done. What so early, what it, yeah. So early in the piece, like, fuck, dude, that's unbelievable. I think no, that was the. Um, I'm trying to think. That was the first song I wrote for that record. No shit. Yeah. Jesus. So um, I Kaz, Kaz hit me up and he said like, you know, this is going to be a thing. This is looking like it's going to happen. He just got signed to Obese. He had um, released Beyond the Beat Tape. Um, things, had, things had dramatically changed when he released that album, PS, because yeah. like, he started to be part of the Obese block party. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm on the Obese block party with him. Uh, Jess One out of Fundamentals is part of his show. Two Buck out of Binge Think is, is that, that show. And I know all those guys separately, but obviously when it's just like you, you're doing 30 to 40 fucking dates in the next six months, it's like, mm. oh shit, okay, life's changed. And then and then during the process of that, that was when that call took place. It's like, you know, you you know, Chasm's got its thing popping, astronomy classes popping, you you can you can be sort of a part of that movement. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you want to be. Yeah. And then so um I, I was already touring with Kaz and doing shit with that 
that group of the live segment. And then he, I was in his studio and he just had the, the, the soul singers playing that sample. I said, dude, I want that. And he showed it through to me and I wrote it and that was the first track. And that was what ended up being the first single. It's like the biggest tune of my career. (laughs) So it just hit, it's, you know, it sounded like I was a bit mindful. It sounded very hilltop woodsy. When um when I heard it, you know, descending sort of baseline type shit, but um, but not really, not really. You know what? Honestly, man, like when I first heard you, because like when I first heard Dielectrics, and I heard Dielectrics sort of breaking on the radio when I'm at work and all that kind of thing. One, I remember thinking, "Fuck, this is one of the most technically." proficient MCs I've ever heard on radio out of this country. And two, I thought you were from Melbourne, dude. I didn't know you were from Down Under Beats crew at that time. You know, I'd find all that kind of shit out later, but I thought you were an Melbourne MC man. No shit. No, I don't, I don't think a lot of, um, I don't, I don't, I think that the Jays might've played up a little bit to that, to that, um, connection. Yeah. I don't think anyone else, like obviously it would have played a little bit for pegs, thinking, well, it's not your first rodeo sort of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't think in the broader scope of things, I think they, the most people who heard me didn't even fucking, they wouldn't connect those dots. Um, well, you didn't, yeah. you, you didn't sound, you didn't sound like what was coming out of Sydney at that time, man. You know, like you, you, you know, beyond down under beats crew, you solo, you, I, I, man, to me, to my ears, even listening to it today, it's only that I know now that I go, yeah, I mean, you know, this is, this is what was coming out of Sydney at that time. And, you know, like you said, the astronomy classes, the chasms, you know, you can kind of, you can fit in that bracket fundamentals and, you know, some of the acts that were sort of, you know, uh, burgeoning around that time, you could say, I go, okay, yeah, 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 I fucking, I can hear that now. But then, man, I thought, dude, I thought you were out of Melbourne, dude. The way you were spitting those bars, the way you were going in, like, it's, you know. It's it's a, it's Melbourne. Now that you say it is Melbourne-y, like um, it's out, out of everything that I've done, it's more way more flowy, way more just sort of, you know, sitting, like aside from our cars are quite fast, but yeah. like majority of the, the records sitting at that 90 BPM, sample-based, like I could, I could understand why someone would think that. And in fact, I wrote it to be more like that. Mm, um, mm. Yep. Because most of my other shit's fast. Like yes. My, most of my other shit's fucking double time or yeah. You know, yeah. Doing triplets and shit. And, I, and, and to be honest, I was sick of people over that period of doing things of shows. I was thinking people not hearing what I was saying, yeah, and, and not jerrying what the fuck you're talking about. So I talk about being 15, you've got nothing to say, and then all of a sudden you got something to say, but no one can fucking understand it anyway because you're just like you're lyrical, sp- lyrical, fucking. You're spitting it so <laughs> fast, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're yeah. trying to be the most tech dude around, and no one gives a fucking. No one can even register what the fuck it is you're talking about. Yeah. yeah so yeah. um, by the time I got to the solo, I was like, dude, you've got to make a concerted effort. This is a, a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. <clears throat> you got to show that you can write tunes and hold someone's attention for an hour. So like I, I did that and it worked and it, and it got a, a lot of people digging it. Yeah. And then, um, and then kind of freaked out that thinking, I don't want to do that forever. But like, you know, that, that was sort of, you know, that was me going, I'm going to give this fucking solo rapper shit, a, a, a crack Yes. And, and do topical songs and do 14 of them and do an hour or a, an hour of, of and and this, I was always conscious of my voice being quite grating, and um and not overdoing it. So I, I wanted more more space. Yeah. So like I, I think it, I think it was just a magical time and place where shit aligned. But um you know I I love the fact that people love that record probably the most. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it, and I felt I felt like after it was the first time ever where I'd go to a different region or a different place where they'd know the tunes. Whereas yeah. before that, that, that was not a thing. So I could go to Adelaide and they knew most of the tunes. They could sing along with it. I had no one singing along with my shit prior to that. It was me barking at them trying to fucking you know, assert that I'm the best rapper, but not a single person understood what the fuck I was saying. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a good time, but that, that was that sort of transition from DUV to the solo stuff. Following the Down Out of Beats crew and then going into, you know, working with Chasm and all that kind of thing, the role Pegs begins to play in your career at that point. He sort of steps in initially as like an almost like that that executive producer role, well, which he was, I suppose, early on with Obese and all that kind of thing, but that ex- executive producer role where he sits down and he goes, well, I want to see if you can make that record, if you can, you know, make that record beyond, you know, the two, three other dudes that you were working with. Is that is that how you viewed his role at that point? I did, yeah. Sir. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think he, he – um, he heard something in there that I didn't hear. Yes, yeah. um, and that was a solo rapper. Yeah, it, yeah. it was never, it was never a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't something. Again, go- that, that wasn't something you'd even contemplated at that point. No, it just wasn't the thing at the time. Yeah. I, like, I'll, it's definitely something I didn't. We didn't strike many in, in, as far as the artists that were supporting or people who would jump on as supports. Yeah. So, um, it was just I had never written songs like it. Uh, going back to watching people's shows, it was always duos or three rappers doing the show. So I didn't even know how to do a solo show, um, which is his own art form in itself. Oh, of course, um, of course. You know, there, there's a very big difference between how a, a crew performs and then how a solo artist performs. So none of that shit I, I had even, I didn't know how to do it and had never envisaged trying to do it yeah. until he, he said, hey, I'll fucking back you if you do do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, had he had, had, to, had, had he said that at that point, or are you are you are you like this album with Chasm? Are you just working on that kind of blindly, just going, okay, man, we're just we're just creating something, or was was it in the back of your mind that okay, this could no, potentially- he, he had sort of responded really positively to the shit I'd done on his his record, yeah, yeah, uh, on Chasm's record. Mm-hmm. So he he um the the track that I had done for Kaz, which is on a completely different beat. He sent me this sort of like boom bapish sort of string orientated beat, and um, I wrote to it and I wrote the hook. I recorded it, um, and then and then there's a lot to be said here in this process too. Is I recorded with Mike Burnham from Tardis. So give Mike Burnham a shout out. Okay. Uh, Mike Burnham was doing a lot of shit for Elephant Tracks, and it was the first professional studio I'd ever walked in. Wow. So um, he had a big Neve desk. Wow. Um, I'm I'm here trying to do these like you know fucking cool G rap. Yeah. You know, yeah. lyrical miracle raps and, and yeah. doing it in a bedroom studio and, and no disrespect to the bedroom studio whatsoever. But when you're when you're pushing your lungs to the absolute capacity of what you can do, yeah, and you get into those last bits, uh, I, f- I could find something there with Mike Burnham and his setup that I couldn't find in the bedroom studio. And I think a little bit of that showed through in the chasm shit, yeah, because um, I was I was flowing there and then I was going back and listening to it and I'm like, oh, this take's gonna fucking suck ass, and then I hear it. And obviously, it's a flattery setup too, as well. And I was like, "Oh fuck, it's 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 usable." So um, there was there was a little bit of like a confident boost working in the actual professional studio as opposed to just fucking like I, I still record in my garage now. Yeah. So it's like I I, I know what I'm dealing with. I know yeah, that exactly. you know if, if you're trying to fucking 
uh, if you're if you're operating on like a tenth of a lung, you, you're not going to hear it. You're going to hear it dip. But in those fucking nice studios, they can kind of fucking smooth that shit out. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I attribute a, a little bit of that that jump from from uh, crew Dietrichs to solo Dietrichs to to Mike Burnham and Tata's studios and what he was doing with Chasm and and um, astronomy class and, and getting to record um, with Chasm there. And then I did my demos there. So whatever magic was there is also sprinkled over to um, the solo record. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like Peg, Pegs was just kind of heard the tunes and, and was saying to Kaz, you know, he, he's got potential or I'll sign it or whatever. And then that joke or seriousness got taken literally and then I spoke to him and he's just like, you know, you, if you keep doing this for a, for a bunch of tunes and it's a record, I'll sign it. Yeah, and um, and then so when we Kaz and I were doing it, we were approaching it like it's a demo to get signed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. still I still had a whole album with Joe New at the PS at this stage. Yeah, so yeah. like as as I've fucking been ushered into Tardis, I'm like I'm using this shit for gatekeepers. And <laughs> fucking had Joe come in to the studio and record like whatever we were working on. We had our other demo with with that crew, um, which weirdly enough. Uh, the producer of that became the drummer of Hiatus Coyote. So it's like, oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. You know, so like there was just shit popping left, right and center, but like, yeah, going into a decent studio, definitely, um, you know, if you're an MC and you, you're questioning uh, how I could fucking elevate my shit, try try a professional studio. Straight up. Try. I'm not saying it's going to turn you into fucking Jay-Z or yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah. but just try it because I felt, I felt like it, it did have, a, a bit of an impact, even if it's just your confidence in hearing it coming through flatteringly or whatever. But, yeah, um, dude. Yeah, yeah. That, that was what it was. We were making a, a fucking demo to yeah. send pigs to get signed, and he signed it. So um, it's also yeah. it's also stepping out of the the like the the familiarity, I suppose, of your surroundings. Like you know, like when you record in you know one or two, you know, if you're recording, you know, we did the same thing, man. We're always in bedroom studios until you know, uh, you know, someone sets up something moderately fucking better or a step up from the bedroom studio. But the minute you step into that, like a studio, either that you are uh, a paying for or b is a pro studio. Man, it fucking changes things, man. You know, there's even there's like there's even a degree of intimidation because it's like, okay, I got a job to do. You know, I got to come in here and I got to get this fucking thing done. You know, and it's yeah, I, I get that too. I get that 100, percent man. Definitely, definitely. Step from bedroom studios into pro studios all day, man, all day. It's a fucking, it's a, it's a big builder. It'll build you as an MC. It'll build you as a, as an artist. You know. Yeah, I think I think the bedroom studio is a little bit of like, oh, you know, my mate can record, yeah, so we we'll yeah. sit around and play play games or fucking get pissed or you know we're hungover. Yeah. you have that luxury of just doing it whenever the fuck you want. Yeah, but um, when you have a specific time where you got to rock up and you got to have your shit ready and you got to record it and then you walk away and that's the result, you got to pay for it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think it's just I think it changes you. I think it's a good experience. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I, I think from a from a writer of rap or whatever i think it's good to, to undergo it if you haven't done it i suggest you at least try it yeah dude yeah, yeah yeah give it a go let some new ears in on the in on the process you know like it just introduces introduces another element you know it, it may not work for some but i think for most man it just builds you as an mc 100 dude i remember the first time we said we like we set foot in a pro studio it was just like holy fuck this isn't you know this isn't some cunt with a crack <coughs> version of fucking you know whatever on his computer and you know like you're just fucking spitting it's yeah. exactly what you said dude it's exactly what you said so the so um with you know with fucking with cycles of survival 
you record that, you record it or you write it recorded in a few months, uh, the reception to it, you know, Pegs then takes it on with Obese and you become an Obese artist. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. right it's there. Just fucking, yeah, this is out of this world. Like, how, does, but- how, how does the rest of the crew sort of, you know, like I, I suppose you, you, you're fairly <sighs> – I mean, you're pretty well removed from from you know DUB at this stage, but are the rest of the crew kind of still with you? I mean, I know Joe News on there. Joe News on the joint with Pegs on Cycles of Survival. What was that called? Um, uh, Takeover with Pegs. The Takeover. Yeah. That's the one. I didn't write it down, but yeah, yeah, that one. You know, no, like- that's all right. It's very good. Fucking pretty comprehensive, bro. Um, like Joey was always going to be there. Yeah. And, um, like, I, like he, he's my brother. Like yes. I, I classify him as a brother. Yeah. And, um, you know, having kids, many of them, mm. um, seeing how <laughs> many, the brother di- dynamic them. unfolds, like they love each other, they hate each other, they scrap, they do whatever. Joe's That's my it. brother. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and I'll forever love and be there for that too. Um, so there was no way I was going to get signed and not try and, like, fucking – Pulled my bro up. Yeah, you know, exactly. That was that was always going to be a thing, but in the midst of stuff like I'm, I'm touring with Kaz, I'm like I'm, I'm seeing Buck fucking seventeen million times a week. Yeah. Um, uh, just one of that fundamentals weren't even like they were a thing, but they weren't really a thing. They had, they had undergone a name change. You know, they were Connect Four or whatever they were wow. um, with yeah. with the producer who was helping this other side project that Joe. Had, and I'm working on it's a lot, long short is like Jess One's there, Jess One's my fucking brother as well. Yeah, classify him as brother. Um, and so fundamentals weren't even really established, nowhere near where fucking where they're at now. Yes, and so, um, we were doing this live show, and obviously, when you do live shows a lot, we were toying with the idea that, um, that there would be a chasm offshoot of a collective where it would be myself, Buck, um, Jess One. And, and that would be its thing because we had just fucking done 100 shows a year. So um, we were like, we should just fucking make a, a record. So that was almost the thing. Yeah. But then Jess is like, dude, I've got, got fundamentals. And then Buck's like, well, I've got binge thinkers. And I'm like, well, I've got fucking Joe. Yeah. So it kind of just didn't really, it didn't solidify in a way um, that it could have. But we definitely wanted it to. And then, and then all those things are just, all the aforementioned happened. Um, you know, Jess went and did fundamentals. I went back to to try and work on some shit with Joe. Buck worked on the binge thinkers, and then um and then yeah, like this is sort of segueing me into to Pegs doing Gully Platoon. He hit me up, and he was wanting to do a crew as well. Yes, and he's yeah. and he's like he was always talking about. I think he talked about it with Pato or possibly even Illy or at stages. But he was he was just he he'd done like the reverse of me, where he's always been like a fucking solo MC. Yeah, he's like I'm cooked with this whole you yeah. know executively doing the whole record. I just want to do my one verse and fucking dead yeah, it. Yeah. And I and I kind of seen both sides of that coin. It's like, you know, I've worked as a fucking crew, worked as a solo dude. And then he kind of, you know, invited me down to Melbourne very shortly after Cycles of Survival. And look, I could look back in hindsight and, and, and say, was he trying to test me to see if I could pump out a solo record? And was that a test to see if, if that would tick his boxes to, to make crew? That, that might be valid. But... Um, as soon as Cycles of Survival was finished, he sort of got me down and, and, and did the chat, you know, I'm wanting to start a crew, yada, 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 where are you at? And I sort of said to him, I'll start a crew, but Joe's going to be in it. Yes. So, um, yep, yep. So that's, that's how the Gully Platoon shit happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 
because that, that, yeah, because that's what I was kind of that's what what I was kind of next getting to in terms of you know cycles of survival. Audio projectile comes out in 2010, but in between things, you, you Joe New and and Bark and Pegs form Gully Platoon. And yeah. I mean, you know, that's a fucking record and a half in itself. And that's what I always thought. I think when we spoke to Tubark, I'm pretty sure I might have asked him. Like, I always thought, like, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, like, I mean, I know Pegs around the traps and whatever, but I don't know him on that personal level. But you know, we do Peg shows <clears throat> early on, so Pegs would come to Brisbane with Reason and DJ Select or something like that. And then a couple of years had passed, and then we'd support Re. You know, it'd be Pegs coming to Brisbane with Muffin Platonic, and then they're the Milk Bar Stars. You know, you know, like it always seemed like. Pegs was trying to like you know he wanted that group he didn't just want to be that solo MC he was a solo MC out of necessity and out of establishing himself but then there always appeared to be that element that you know wanted that you know that that aspect that wanted the group element you know as well and that's where we found it you know we found that we found it cemented in Gully Platoon you know because prior you know for those listening I nothing ever came out as the Milk Bar Stars but Pegs toured with Muffin Platonic for a minute as the Milk Bar or Milk Bar All Stars or something like that and you know going something back like that. yeah yeah, something like that and then you know a few years prior to that it'd always be him and reason on stage together i remember with select for a while maybe dj fx as well um a couple others but then we saw gully platoon and you know that was like pegs linking up with sydney almost dude like can you walk us through that process how that sort of how you know gully platoon comes about well it's like like everything else that i've sort of said it was quick yeah like yeah you know like there was a there was a really quick succession of stuff happening again and like without backtracking of the shit we've already talked about yeah it's like you get unearthed then you make an album then you make another album then you break up with that album then you do another album with someone else who gets signed then you then you get signed and then you you know like there was a point where i'm doing like 100 to 150 shows a year oh can't you are so like, prolific through this period dude musically yeah show wise like it's it's incredible yeah. like it's a lot going on yeah dude. And so by the time and I, and I talked before about like a little bit of burnout and look, the, the burnout at, at 21, that's just a 21 year old being overly dramatic. Well, that's, a, 20, like, that's a 21, bro, not to interrupt, but that's a 21 year old being 21, you know, like, you, you know, like yeah. 100%. So it's like, so like I thought I had burnout at 21, mm. you, you throw fucking all those projects and, and shows on top, you're starting to get, you're starting to get a little, like you, you've got your weight on your shoulders, so yes, to speak. Absolutely. So by the time he, he wanted to do Gully Platoon, I, I had, I was in a good spot. Um, as far as writing, like I, I learn a lot of things as far as uh, orchestrating a good verse. Mm. Uh, I had a good live show, but I was starting to get a little bit, um, I don't know what the right word is. So I, I was drinking a fucking shit ton. Yeah. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like drinking yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, like between the gigs and, and working as a you know, tradie, and then you're like, and, and, and also to put into the, into perspective too. Pe Pegs is my favorite rapper. Yes. Yep. And I'm do doing this to dick ride. Yeah. Like I, I, I fucking loved his shit. And I think part of why I got signed was because he could see I was, I was siphoning off shit that he was doing and then embellishing it. I like to say I'm embellishing it. He probably thought I was just fucking ripping it off and, <laughs> and sort of repackaging it. And then he sort of seen like, Oh shit, he's, he's taken this particular thing and, and he's redoing it. So he, he could see that, um, lyric, he had a, uh, an appreciation for what I was trying to do uh, lyrically. Yeah, dude. so he respected it. 
How could he not? And he, he, and he wanted not? someone to, he wanted other, like he has a, a, a deep respect for lyricism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. like he had plenty of opportunities to other, and no, no disrespect to the other guys he wanted to do groups with, but he was saying, I, I want to have this to be a, like a, a lyricist thing. Yes. And then I was saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this with Joe. And then it sort of formulated, but by the time we got in there, like, I think, um, I, w- I wouldn't say that we were fatigued, but it was hard because Joe was traveling overseas. So he traveled for like three to six months or something like that. So he was gone for a huge chunk of the writing process. Okay. And um, and during that time, I was sending shit to Pegs from Sydney. He would send some shit to me. We were sort of like backing and forthing online. And so by the time we got to sort of all meet together in one room, uh, there was a there was a vast chunk of the of the record or what would become the record was already written, mm. and then Joe's just come from holiday mode where he's like you know <laughs> traveling per, through Peru and and having a you know relaxing time to fucking write raps now under under the hammer. So like I got, I just felt bad that you know it didn't although Joe did what he did and he he does what he does and he he will forever be one of the, I rate him as one of the best rappers that have come from here yeah I, I think for him it wasn't an idyllic situation for him to show off his pen game yeah, um, yeah. where these other two dudes have been honing it they you know game fit match fit whatever you want to call it yeah he's having stopped and um, haven't stopped for years you know and stopped and he, he's just sort of has stopped for for a period of time yeah so there's a little bit of that you know from me personally when i reflect on it, there's a bit of that going on there's a lot of politics going on you know um you know, we talk briefly off air mm. about politics and shit. You mm. know, being being mates of pigs came with its fair share of politics. Certainly. That didn't bleed too much into the record, but I was just so fucking uh, young and naive. I, I all, all I really thought at the time is my favorite rapper slash my boss wants to start a crew with me. Yeah. And um, let's just fucking smash the shit out, man. And then it was a, a year later that record came out. So it was all very fast. Yeah. The entire period was incredibly fast. It's all it's all in yeah. such quick succession, dude. Like there is so much there. Like, you know, like that's what I say. Like your output, you know, like I remember seeing you guys on shows around that point in time. Like it's, you know, it, it's fucking huge. And to go back through it now, sort of retrospectively, like after the fact, it's like, holy fuck. Like it, it's like, boom, it's, you know, it's, Man, from fucking like what years are we talking? Like from 04 on, I mean, you are pumping for close to ten years. You know, almost albums, almost an album a year yeah. in some capacity. You know, in some way, like whether it's an EP or a twelve or a single or just songs. But there's a lot going on there, man. You know, like was was in terms of Gully Platoon because we'd never saw another Gully Platoon record. Was Pegs's, you know, was Pegs's attention on the project? You know, was he a hundred percent on the project or was he divided in that he? Was still trying to run a label at the time oh look man he's a man of many hats yeah you know like i i think with with any person he's wearing three hats at a time yeah for real you know he's he's your mate he's he's your crew member he's the person destroying your album yeah he's the guy you get drunk with he, he's wearing many hats yeah but with me with with me i felt like the hats would diminish down to a couple of things mate and lyricist yeah Word, that's word. and that's why I feel tight with him to this day is because I didn't have I didn't have bullshit with him because it was very simplistic fucking relation between me and Biggs. Yeah, uh, he respected what I I did. 
I respected immensely what he did, and I think he respected what I did because I've fucking fucking taken so many pages out of his shit. Yeah, you know, like, I'll, yeah. I'll fucking say to any who anyone who will listen, you know, the Godfathers of my shit, the Deathwish, Trevor Beggs, like yeah. that's it. Yeah, like, like that's that's it. Yeah, they, they're the ones who taught me everything. Yeah, you know, I've, I've learned everything there is to know from Deathwish, Pegs, and Trev. Yeah, and so um, you know, like there's other shit in there. But uh, they're the key fucking godfathers, yeah, you know? and, and to have one come on and say, you know, I'll sign you, uh, I'll be in a crew with you. Yep. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. All day. So, um, All day. but but you know, like I think he 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 struggled with those hats with a lot of people, but we, but I I didn't have the confliction between them. I, I had like, you know, is this a good song? Is this a good rapper? Are, are we writing good tunes? Um, you know, there, there are times where he possibly wanted me to be more professional. Uh, where he's just like, you know, you, it's 12 o'clock and you drank 12 beers. Fucking pull your shit together. I don't think it came from a place of I want you to make me a millionaire. It came from a place of I want to see you succeed and That's be it. more uh, proficient. So I, I didn't cop any, any bullshit from from him and yeah. I never I don't think I will but um th- that album was just very fast and in, in the succession of a lot of fast records so you know that that adage of quality over quantity I can just look back and go yep I could have trimmed it down but I'm glad they happened oh dude it's, it's a, like, you're talking to a guy who hasn't released in eight fucking years like I'd rather have you know like yeah. stories stories to tell about shit that yeah came out every year but like in the same way I look at a lot of these younger rappers where they feel like they've got to keep up with the insta fucking TikTok yes. era where they're going to drop every six months to a yep. year like yep. I've been there yeah. I understand it yeah dude. but what I could what I couldn't click with is what am I writing about Am I writing about the fucking last record I did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, what content do I have? I go back to the 15-year-old. You don't have any content as a 15-year-old. If you're milking yourself to do an album every year, you have nothing to say. Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to run out sorry. of you're going to run out of things pretty fucking quickly to talk about. Like and- fucking I see these Conway and the Machine eight albums a year. What the fuck are you rapping about, bro? What dude, do you have? Dude. Eight albums with content for yeah, you. Know? Like- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But I suppose like I I bro, I I often look at the same I I, I see the same thing and I go, "How the fuck?" I, I ponder the same question, man. You know, and even like even you know just that that comment before about that's a 21-year-old being a 20 year old like I said like we had scrub down the studio the other week and I remember he put something up something up on his story and we keep I kicked the episode off I was like mate you got the post tour blues you know like and it's just like you know it was this thing about oh you know he'd gone into a space following this tour and I'm like dude you're 21 22 23 you got fucking 20 years ahead of you yet cunt like you know don't go into that yeah. fucking don't go into those blues too early yet bro like there's a long road ahead you know in my books and you know when I see those artists like the Conways and whoever like man these motherfuckers are pumping out material at a at just a phenomenal rate you know like they're just whether they're in the studio day or not but I suppose that's their job too like that's the job that's what is going to make them the money at the end of the day I presume you know we don't know what goes on on their side on on the side hustle but yeah it's just if, if it keeps you happy cool like I wasn't yeah. happy with it yeah, yeah like you know like I I'm not happy doing the same shit over and over and over again yeah so um you know, like I'm happy to to keep the consistency and the output high as long as it's matching where I want to be. And it wasn't matching where I wanted to be. Mm. So, um, you know, there's certain points where I, there was an evolution, say from chasm shit to down on the beach, and that's three of 
two to three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big jump. Yeah. There's a big jump. It's like an adolescent fucking growth spurt. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, and because of fucking artists and a narcissist, I don't want to see that growth spurt all the fucking time. Yes. I don't want to see it plateau. And then when it starts to plateau and you're doing the same shit, and then it's like I, I rap about what's going on in my life. And if all I do is write a record and, and fucking tour, well, then the next album is going to be about me writing a record and touring. touring exactly. and it's just like, what the fuck? What are yeah. you doing? Like this, this, that consistency got to a point where it, it came to its natural conclusion that I can't do that output anymore. Mm. And that's probably contributed largely. Yeah, there's kids in there and stuff and COVID and fucking Lord knows whatever else. But it's also because I just don't – I have to wait till there's something there to say. If yeah. there's nothing there to say, I don't want to fucking talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want yeah. to be that dude at the party that's just fucking mindlessly talking. Yeah. With and it's just hot air filling the fucking atmosphere. I want to actually fucking have something to contribute. Contribute and, exactly. And I might, I might have three years of not fucking really having anything to contribute. Yeah. Like that's that's where where I felt you know, as far as frequency and volume of people putting shit out. If you are. are like there's, there's, with rap, there's some stuff that's vacuous. You don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Big L, Big L could release every year. Yeah. Like you know, I'm not. No offense to anyone. If like, I love Big L, but it's not like I walk away and get profound life lessons from it. It's no, just no. like it's fun. Yeah. It's just fucking flame. Yeah. So it's like you know, if Conway's going to be like on that Big L tip of just producing flame, sweet. And if he can do it eight albums in a year, sweet. Like you, you have no prof profundity to what you're saying it's just like i'm just gonna smash this flame out cool yeah, yeah. but uh, i there's times with myself where it's just like I, if i'm at that point where i fucked around with so many different disciplines and techniques and, and all that shit disappears as you're as you're older as a parent well like i have to fucking say some shit if i don't have any driving force of the meaning and the concept I'm going to struggle to fucking lock this shit in. That's yeah. why I give so much fucking respect to yourself for locking this shit in, like, with this interview. It's like, like it takes discipline. You know? yeah. Like, if I'm going to lock time in next week to record, well, what the fuck am I going to rap about? Being the best rapper? Damn. My first release came out nearly 20 years ago. I don't have to fucking say that shit anymore. It yeah, has yeah, to mean yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. But it's also, but it's, a, but you know what? Like, w w between us, with what we do, like, regardless of the output over the last, you know, eight years or whatever, it's passion. The passion, the passion goes nowhere, you know, and that's what drives you, I suppose. At the end of the day, you, you remain a fan. You remain a person that is listening and looking at what's going on around you. I mean, just bringing up Conway, for instance, you know, like you're clearly paying attention to what's going on around. And I'm the same, you know. We sit there. It's just a passion. It's just, it, there's just there's a driving force there where it's just something you can't let go. It's like you were saying before, man. I don't know much else. I'm the same dude, you know. I don't know fuck all else, man. You know, so like I'm gonna come down here. And and talk about rap each week you're gonna fucking put a pen to paper any moment you can you know that's kind of what it is when you can fit it in you're gonna fucking do it or you're gonna make time to do it you know but i mean i suppose that that sort of goes into audio projectile man like are you working on audio projectile at the same time as well i, I mean i mean you hook up with pluto at this time don't you around this point i i, I hooked up with pluto through gully platoon okay yeah yeah so um like he, he was around like i was touring with him and and um yeah, M and P were headlining a lot of the the obese block of parties. Of course, yeah, and yeah. um, and I and like I was I was like a huge like if I, if I'm telling you that Pigs is my favorite rapper, yep, but which he was categorically at that time, yep, like internationally too. I don't give a fuck if anyone calls me a dick rider. I was just fucking lots of shit. Yeah, yeah. 
Like the way he structured his shit was exactly like his, his balance of technicality, content, you know, his intelligibility. It was just like, that was everything I didn't have. Mm. So I was just like, I, I, this guy is like the Achilles heel of my style. I'm going yeah. to focus on it. Yeah. So um, if I'm doing that sort of shit by default, I'm also listening to fucking Plutonic. No, now like, it wasn't just Pegs as shit. Like I, Plutonic was the shit. Yeah. Dude. Like I felt, I felt during that pivotal era that I was talking about, you know, 03 to sort of 07, he yeah. just came. Yeah, he dude. came through and came. Like yeah. he just had so many fucking good records that just went pow, 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 pow. And the, um, the interview you did with him, he's clearly gone from like all these labels and, and different sort of, you know, angles, so yes. to speak. Like yeah. enough said, obese, he's yeah. done shit for fucking everything. But, um, you know, the when he was on, like it, there was, when Hunger Pains came out, it was just nothing fucked with it. Dude. <laughs> Production, production wise, for me, yeah. nothing fucked with it. I always, yeah, like the shit with enough said Crowley, of course. I like, I, I rate it highly, but um, oh, it, it wasn't there. Yet. Shit, yeah, hunger pains just fucking blew yeah, everything out yeah, of the yeah. water, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I just there was a lot of big releases coming out around it, but I just keep going. Like I used to go to the pub. And I would just go and buy like multiple records of Hunger Pains and just give it to people at the pub. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Yeah. I, I went to the local Springwood record store shop, which had its little Aussie hip hop section. And, um, and I bought like every every copy of Hunger Pains. And I just went to the pub and just started giving it to people. That's dope. Just, I fucking loved it. That's and, dope. Um, I just, and I think Muff stepped up. I think they were great, uh, a great duo. Yeah, and, um, dude. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that he did that, which was 04-ish, uh, Axis 05. Like between that and Axis, I was just like, it was, it, it's, it, just, it, it's just killing. It was it's something, eh? Like, yeah, like seriously, just, man. Between the, and I don't want to cut you, I just, I just want to reiterate Hunger Pains and Axis, like, holy fuck, dude. Like, you know, he's murdering shit right there. You know, like Pluto's yeah. killing shit on that, in that period. That, you know, and it's what you said. He, what he did with Nuff said is, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's dope and it's of the time, but where it goes with, you know, with Hunger Pains and then Axis. I mean, holy fuck, dude. You know, like. There, were, there were albums. Like, there yeah. were albums. I rate Axis highly, man. Axis is bit, an amazing record. Every bit sort of ties to each other. And, um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, that was just fucking masterful. Yeah, dude. And, um, yeah. And so not only did I think Pegs was a fucking incredible lyricist, but my, my, my flavorings as a kid were, were very obese uh, mm. orientated. Yeah. And, um, and then as I got signed and started traveling around with fucking pegs, you know, wanting to start a group and then saying, oh, hit up Lee and we'll get we'll get Lee to do some beats. For me, that was a massive deal. That's huge. <laughs> it's like, That's huge. It's just like, is he talking about Plutonic Lab? Fuck. Yeah. You know, like, that was a big deal. Yeah. And um, it's a big deal doing work with both of them. And, and they were my favorite lyricists and producers at the time. And, and so, um, you know, as as I went from the second first solo record into the second one, it was it was originally going to be half chasm half uh, Pluto, 
and then Pluto ended up doing the whole thing. But like working with Plutonic Lab, like oh, it's just like that's that's a whole another fucking segment in itself. Yeah, like, like, I can't do any justice to the to this segment. Like yeah. I, we've already talked for a few hours, you know. I don't know how you edit it down, but um, oh, like, we're gonna we're gonna run this edit free, baby. We'll we'll, we'll tighten oh, up, we'll t- tighten up those little spots where it's dropped. But yeah, no, this is <laughs> this is going edit free, my friend. <laughs> they're, they're like I. There, there, there's so much time needed to that guy. He's already has that segment, but that's from him. You yeah. know, he can't accurately document his, his what he's it's so like going into the studio. Too. He's, he's, you yeah, know, he's got too much shit going on. Yeah. I, I can tell you right now that, you know, when I said going in and recording with Mike Burnham and having a professional studio, how it changes you. There were, there's, it's indescribable to talk about what it's like going in with um, Plutonic Lab. Yeah, um, yeah. No, like it, it was, it was. It was just like walking into the most fucking beautiful hotel, and they're like, "You can stay here as long as you want." Yeah. Like it, it, it was just like the Hilton. It was like all that shit. It was just so nice. Um, he will make you, you know. That some people say that there's there's a rapper, and then there's a rapper after Dr. Dre, and that's a crass fucking comparison. Yeah. But um, you know, if you go into Lee and he gives you all of your resources, you go to Plutonic Lab Studio and he gives you all of your resources too. You you're gonna have it, the end result may not be fucking groundbreaking, but you're gonna have a fucking fun time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I, I can't even articulate it. Like, I, I went in there and I said to him, I said, you know, I want to do a throwback record, and he, and, and like, I just saw his face drop. Like, <laughs> that's, that's not what I want to do. He's <laughs> just like. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, you know, I want to do some shit that sounds like it's from the 90s. It's like, I'm from the 90s. What the fuck? <laughs> he's, a, he's just like, he was so disappointed. But he took it in, in his stride and um, and he added a spin to it, which which got him interested. But just uh, like, man, I, I've grown up around a lot of producers who use NPCs and whatever the fuck, and, and he's just faster than you. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck who you are. He's faster than you. How does he do it? So how does he, like when you're in the studio with him and like, you know, like you just mentioned, we, you know, we've sat with Pluto and, you know, we've spoken with Marth and we've spoken with a handful of people that have worked with him and whatever. Like he, I mean, Pluto to me comes across as such a studio dude, a wallflower almost. Like he's not the live dude. He's not the dude that's going to big himself up. He'll give you his history. He'll give you his bits and pieces, and you know, talk specifics of tracks and music. But he seems he's just he just seems like that consummate fan and that consummate studio dude. You know, like he is. He's a he's a massive fan of the studio. Yeah. He's a massive fan of the artistic process. Yes, he's also a massive just like music and art fan. Yeah. So it's, it's it's just like he he has docos. He's he's like ter- terabytes of docos that you have not watched, and so like he he will just keep you going mm. with entertainment before you even get into the fucking studio. And then you get into the studio and he's just got you know records that cost like a billion dollars that oh, yeah. no one has. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is like the the rare offshoot of this sole project. Mm. And then the fucking session muso did this fucking demo cut and no one has it but here it is yeah, yeah, yeah. and he just drops the fucking needle yeah. and it's like and it's like you want to sample it it's like yeah i want to fucking sample it. it's like you want to turn this into yeah i want to turn this into a fucking tune it's like he's just that fucking it's that good it's just insane yeah and then um and just his mic game like he knows what your voice sounds like he knows he, he's 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 a sonic fucking whiz yeah. and, and like the 
the process of like this is when we get to the point of the lineage where it's it's I just had so much fun. Mm. When I, I sort of shied away from industry radio live guy to studio guy. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a lot to be said about what makes a good MC, whether a good live performer, whether they make fucking good records. But just chilling in the studio with fucking Plutonic Lab was just luxury, a sheer fucking unadulterated luxury. Yeah. And, um, and, and as I was saying before, like, oh, you can record at whatever time. You would be like 2 o'clock in the morning. I've had like 20 beers. Mm. <laughs> just fucking like, getting the best vocal take I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like just chopping up all the shit to make it look good, like in a millisecond. He, and and not only that, like there's producers and engineers, and he's like one of the best engineers too. Like he'll listen to your rap and yeah. and know if you're on it. He'll know if you're not on it. Yeah. And um, yeah, as soon as I started dealing with him, I was like, "You're fucking doing the whole record. Yeah, dude. can you do the whole record?" And he's like, "Yeah." Yeah. So um, as much as he didn't want to do, he he was sort of wanting to evolve and move beyond the shit that I liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He he was like, you know, it's it's dope that you like hunger pains, it's dope that you like access, but I'm kind of wanting to move in a different direction. I'm like, no, just just go back there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, just hang there, hang there for another couple of months, bro. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, do a Dietrich's version of hunger pains. Yeah. He's like, nah, it's not gonna happen. But that's that. I would say audio projectile is me trying to get a Dietrich's version of hunger pains, and he. He turned it into a, like a, a different thing, and you know, I think he said in your interview that was bossy. I was bossy because I just could see what he could do. Yeah, like he he can do. He he has so many breaks, like whether they're his breaks or they're someone else's breaks. He he has like infinite breaks. Yeah, and I was just like, man, you should do a song where you change the break every bar. And he kind of looked at me. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, fuck you." Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "But you can." Yes, I was like, you can actually fucking do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a, not everyone can do that. Um, you know, and all those, it's like his record selection, his fucking sample picking, and and all that sort of stuff. Like he's fast. It's he knows his gear and he knows how to do it really quick. And and um and like while he's dropping the needle looking for samples, it's it's literally fucking thirty seconds to a minute before it's a beat. Where he and knows. like a fairly yeah. good beat too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, there yeah. was some shit on um, audio projectile where he found the sample, he made the beat for it on machine. I laid a, I wrote to it, I laid the verse, and it was finished. And I'm talking, I might be exaggerating here, but it was finished start start to end in about an hour. Fuck. And it went and it went onto the record in the, like in that space. In that, yeah, in that. So time. um. There was a speed to it too. Like I, I just love the, you know, we're talking about now going eight years without relationship. There's there is something really nice to being able to do something that's like a meal where you can just fucking do it and it's yeah, done. Yeah, and he yeah. could do it. Like he yeah. could do all sorts of shit. But you know, he like I, I relish the opportunities I had with him, and then I had Buck as well. That, so um, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Dude. Like you had, so you, like, like you had two of the best in their creative field, like. As as part of your team, that's your team, you know, Pluto and Buck. Like what a f like, man! How can you? You can't go fucking wrong. And audio, I was chuffed. Audio, I was fucking chuffed, bro. <laughs> and to me, audio, I was just chuffed, man. Yeah. I was just like, this is fucking a dream. And audio I, projectile is just where, man. Like, like I said to you, I, I man, I spent time with that record, man. Like when that shit came out, audio projectile was hot, dude. Like that, like what 
Um, fuck. I mean, Jesus. Pieces of the puzzle, for fuck's sake. You know, like I mean, the pieces of the puzzle. It's just pieces. Of, like, man, these joints. Are, these are these are fucking amazing. This songs, and that's just that's that's scratching the surface, dude. Scratching the surface of that record. You know, it was a, it was a good. I've I've always said this, and I'll say it to whoever. One You're more the only time. Person to listen. Um, fucking Buck, Plutonic Lab, and myself. It was a group. It yeah. was a group, and it should have—it should have always been called a group. Yeah, yeah. It should never have been a, like it was one rapper. Granted, I get it, but it, it was always a, a three-way of ideas, and um, and I think there was—I struggled with it being marketed as a solo MC project because it was hundred percent wasn't. Yeah, it was like it was like the Roots. Roots is not Black Thought. Roots is fucking a group. That's it. And um, and like the, I think at, at that stage of Audio Projectile, they they added a lot of shit uh, to each other. And they were they were in a they were in a spot where they were connecting. Um, Buck Bucket stepped up his, his his recorded cut game had jumped so much oh. before he got into that record, man. Like yeah. like like I've gone through this with Buck. I've watched him go from um, you know don't let your guard down with Chasm was one of his first recorded uh, cut choruses. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. fucking killer. Yeah. He's got the fucking the group home cut on there. Like he, he's 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 killing the game. He said to me, oh, I want to do some primo esque shit, and he fucking murdered it on that. And that became his forte. And now it's like it, it is who he is. His whole persona is the cut, cut chorus. So like to sit there and watch him undergo that, and then he sort of married that into Pluto. Yeah, granted, he's not doing uh, Axis or Hunger Pain. He's got, he was doing something a little bit more Edanish, mm. for lack of a better fucking description. He was doing shit that's more tweaked out, more studio orientated. But to see them both fucking converge at that point yeah, i was bro. the spectator of that record yeah bro fuck all to do with me i that, i could sit back and do nothing that record is going to be fucking incredible that would be you know, incredible. Like, yeah, um, yeah that'd be amazing yeah. dude like to to have to, to have even had like video footage of those studio sessions or something like that like man just seeing seeing that dynamic like the dynamic of the three of you at work did you use work did you use work together or was it like mailing files like was it mostly recorded in at Pluto's place, or how had that album come together? Bucky touched on a little bit in this in in his um, interview with you. Yeah, he put together like a, a mixtape of what he wanted the because he, he knows I'm a shit beat picker. Yeah. <laughs> he's like you can rap, yeah. but you can't pick beats. Let me pick the beats. Yeah. He's like you should rap on this sort of shit. And he flogged that off to Plutonic, and Plutonic was like, I'll I'll make some stuff in this vein. So there was a real collaborative process in that. Um, and I think they were really hitting their strides. But, um, yeah, like some of the cut choruses that Buck did, like Fly in the Wall. Yeah, yeah. Storyteller, 11 fucking quote shit. It's incredible. No one would be stupid enough to step to it. Nah. But you can. You're going to waste years of your life. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Trudging yeah, yeah. through fucking yeah. samples. Yeah. So like, I, I was really appreciative of, of having both, not only just Lee, but also Buck on board and, yeah, and obviously you know massive shout outs to the binge thinkers. Fucking uh, oh. keep the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's gonna drag your head through the mud. Can't rinse, you? Rinse, you rinse out of the fucking binge thinkers doesn't get enough of a shout out, and, and he's a he's he's an incredible lyricist and MC, and a, and I fucking love the binge thinkers and Buck and 
and and just and, uh, and to that like, point, like, like he's he's done his own thing here. So if he doesn't get enough love, fuck it. Yeah, no. And to, and to that point, <laughs> and to that point, I have a mate up here that keeps telling me I got to get rinse on on the, on the podcast, and I'm like, yep, 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 because he's like a friend of mine up here. It's his his favorite MC. He goes Lazy Gray and Rinse. He goes they're the two greatest MCs in this country. And I'm like, word rinse, you know. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, it's a good point, man. It's a good point. Rinse is just, he's just dope. Yeah. He's just, he was so dope. He is so dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, word to rinse, Bucky in the binge, but like, you know, there's a special place with audio projectile where, um, where they were converging. And, it just um, works too, man. It just works. Like it, it, it and, and, you know, and, and to, and to Buck's credit, and I'm pretty sure I said this to him, like, I can't, I can, man, fuck, I can't, like, you know, I can't remember what me and Buck spoke. I remember me and Buck just talking about random rap for fucking two hours for the most part. But uh, to Buck's credit, if I didn't say it then, and I would, I imagine I probably did, but he is one of the few DJs in this country that knows the difference between like, uh, a, a, a fucking a DMC routine done on a record versus a fucking just a clean cut chorus, man. Like he he knows what it is. Even Russ, Russ is sitting. He's like, yeah, yeah. Like Russ is even nodding, man. Like yeah. there's not many Russ. DJs. M- most most DJs step to your record with just too much. It's like can't compare this shit back a bit. Like you know, the, less is always more with Buck. And when you get more from Buck. It's what it it's what's required, man. It's just like, yeah, dude, you, yeah. you you just did it. You did it. You know it. It's intuitive. He knows his records. You know, he's the fucking DJ version of Pluto. Like that's what the fuck he is. Yeah. He he was um yeah. As I say, it was it was good to watch it unfold. Yeah, like he he started off live. Like he's a real live dude. He still is a live dude. Oh, he's great. You know, and, and that's yeah. and that's the this thing is um you know, we touched a little bit on new rappers putting shit out all the time or yep. you know, having, having their content. Like, like you, you got to judge things on, on multiple levels. He was a, he was an incredibly live dude. He's yeah. like six, eight yeah. throwing bows, like doing crabs and shit. And he was nailing the crabs. You yeah. could tell he's fucking loosey goosey having a sick time. Uh, and that was his main thing. That was the forte then. And then he's just like, no, I want to transfer it into a fucking recorded sense. Where it's it's more disciplined and it's more fucking poignant and whatever, and then he did it. He yeah. pulled it off. It's like he was able to master a lot of DJing beyond just um, whatever. And, and like that whole that guy that weeded dude just sitting there fucking orbiting himself to fucking hell in the in the basement. It's cool. It's dexterous, but like yeah. on a record, you don't want to hear it. Nah, like nah. You, you can like in the right context, you can. But you know, he he just nailed it. Yeah. He got it all right. They all got it. They all got it right. Man. He seems. He seems. They fucking smashed that record. Oh, they did, dude. And they and 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 like, you know, I would presume that Buck would get those beats and then do like it, it, it's just, like I said, it, it's intuitive almost. It's just like he seems to know what is required when it's required with those tracks. You know, and I imagine Pluto working with Pluto is exactly the same. You know, like, you know, but I mean, in terms of your writing process through that album. Are you working on that album during the Gully Platoon period as well? You know, like being nah, that you and Buck. Afterwards. It's afterwards? Because fuck, yeah, you pump this I one thought, out quick too. Like this one just jumps out, boom. Yeah, it was like um, when we talk about sort of swinging between group and solo, I, I can appreciate both. Yeah. Like, or, or I was then. Well, you you've know, done them. Like, yeah. at, at, that, at that stage, I, I appreciated like if you're in a group, you got to write one verse. Yes. Uh, if you're in a as you're a solo artist, you're the executive producer of the whole song. Yeah, dude. So yeah, so like at that stage, if if it was a 
Dolly put two things like it's a verse hook, move the fuck on. I was just like just in spit it out sort of mode. Yeah. Whereas when the solo shit popped off, like um, I was more. I, I keep calling it game fit. Is this match fit? Game fit? Like, For you're, sure. you're just doing it so much of it. It is. It does become a legitimate job, and you're t- treating it very seriously. Yep. You're paying people. You're flying interstate. You, you're doing these. You're meeting up with people. They're not there to fucking fuck spiders. They're there to do shit. Yeah. So like you, you're just doing shit. And um, and I think with with audio projectile, it's like you, it would be in the solo um, cycles of survival, Gully Platoon, into that. And you're talking two years, a lot of difference in those two years as well because Bucket just said to me, he's just like, mate, your, your patterns are all the fucking same. He's <laughs> 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 like, you just, you, just, you just write the same fucking patterns. <laughs> and, I was, <laughs> and, I, and I was just like, okay. And I was like, cooked. I was, I was high as a kite when he told me. Yeah. And he's just like, He's like, you got to fucking change it up, son. You know, <laughs> you like, change up your pants. Switch it up, son. <laughs> I can hear it. To fucking same shit for a whole record, son. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, my peers had sort of critiqued me enough to to push me into a certain direction, whereas it's like you were saying, oh, you know, it's very Melbourne-sounding. Yeah. He was, he was not anti-Melbourne. It was like, you know, you have this predictability to the whole fucking way you scheme your shit. Yeah. Um, change it up. So... I, I try to take that thing that he critiqued and incorporate into the next record. So while they were killing their, you know, respective fields that they had to do, I was like, I want, I want to make this, I want to fucking focus on what Buck told me. It's just make this a pattern, um, you know, really differentiate between this and the, and the last one. Yeah, and, you, and then and like, I didn't have a hell of a lot of content. It was just more just writing out yeah, where just... Lee was at, where Pluto was at, where he was at, yeah. and just keep the patterns lively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, – Yeah. But, so, but, so, but, I mean, but listen, I mean, so much, so, so much of MCing really is in just, uh, I don't know, reinterpreting – what you did the last, like, you know, obviously you come with content, you come with uh, various ideas for songs and all that kind of thing. But I think like with Audio Projectile, dude, like, you know, you've got One More Time at the start. One More Time is fucking sick, dude. It is incredible. Then at the arse end of the album, you've got Zaheer with um, with uh, with Joe New once again and Tommy Ilfiger. And Zaheer, you're, can you running a fucking, is that a motor mower cunt? What the fuck are you doing? I'm oh, sorry. I'm jumping outside hang piss. You're right, bro. Do your thing. But like with Zahir, like so you go up the other end of the album and it's just rapid fire spitting, up tempo, fucking boom, boom, boom. Then you've got a single like, you know, what was the single off it? Um, Whatchamacallit? Fucking Pieces of the Puzzle. Um, dude, like there's elements to this record, bro. There is real elements there. And it's dope to hear that. Like, you know, I don't know if it's Buck that's pushing that that sort of, you know, or Buck and Pluto, I would, I would imagine, pushing that you know, that sort of aspect, but dude, there's, there is a lot of variation there. And particularly when you're pumping out, when you're so, when you're so prolific through this period, a lot of rapping is just reinterpreting that last rap. It's, you know, it's, it's that shot at the fucking imaginary MC. It's the, I'm the better than this MC. It's the, you know, it's, it's, it's those fucking, it's those, 
you know, those intangible fucking topics that we all grab at as MCs, as rappers, you know, whatever. And when you're that prolific, there's always going to be an element of that. That's always going to exist through what you're doing. But what you do with that record through Audio Projectile, I mean, you even bring in, like, the Craig Cartel on that record. Like, that joint with the Craig Cartel, you know? Like, that's, man, that's a fucking dope joint, dude. Like, you know, like, you've just got fucking track after track after track, man. It's a smasher. It's a smashing record, man. Big up, uh yeah, there was um, I, I attributed attribute pretty much all of the success of that to to Buck and Ed fucking Pluto. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I, I I respect you digging it. But like, you know, Buck was very good, and and this is the thing is that some people don't have that person who who just tell you what you're fucking no good at. What you yeah, <laughs> like, what you need yeah. to hear. What you need to hear. You need you need that raw feedback. Like it, yeah. cause the thing is, once you start become becoming a little bit more successful, or you know, you start to happen upon a, a winning formula, people f- fucking will just tell you whatever. Buck Buck was not that dude. Yeah. <laughs> he, would yeah. say, he, he would just say, "Hey, your, your patterns are stagnant, or whatever." Yeah. And um, and 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 I think um, having him there as part of the beat selection was was a massive learning curve. And having Lee on board to do it all and, and do his his experimental stuff, it, it was what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was quick. Like I don't think about that record very much, to be honest with you. So it 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 pleases me to hear that people go back and revisit it because when I did it, it was six months to a year of my life, and then I was on. Yes, you know, like I, the next. that was the last re- that was the last record I did before I had. Oh, I, I was expecting to become a dad during that. Yeah. And I think it sort of shows there's a very there's a there's a hard line in there after that record of well, kind saw, of dude, artistic freedom and output and then yeah. it's just like but yeah you you're you're a dad now. But also <laughs> th- but I, yeah, yeah, for real. But I also think there's a there's there's a level of introspection into in what you do too, you know, like regardless of whatever, regardless of age, regardless of output, regardless of that 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 battle, that battle hardened approach and you know like you said being match fit i agree dude i 100 percent agree with that i i I can relate to that a thousand percent because i think there was a period in my life where i was match fit where i was like man you 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 want to you want to verse on a beat give me the beat i've got you you know like that's what it is you want that translated live i got that you're match fit you know i i get that 100 percent. the shit you're saying i fucking 100 percent understand but also i think where what separates you from a lot of other MCs of this point in time, of this period, is that not only were you so technically proficient, where you probably deserve a lot of credit for being a far, like being one of the fast rappers, you know, like one of you know as chatty as that might might sound right now, you know, like saying I use a fast rapper, but that wasn't something that was being done like that at that point. That wasn't <clears throat> wasn't what it was, and you not only did it you excelled at it, but then you also brought a degree of introspection to what you did, you know, like there was a degree of self-analysis at a young age, you know, like, I don't know, man, you, you, there's something special to what you, to what you have given us and to what you've done, like, and to what you continue to do, bro, without fail. Big up, Jake. No, no, it's a fucking, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's facts. It's absolute facts. Cunts can listen. Cunts can listen to this shit. They can go back through the catalog, man. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Like straight up, straight up. Like it's, you know, it's it's all there. I've been going through it this week, and I'm just like, holy fuck, you know, this music is as much is as much fucking Jesus, as much trem as it is muff, as it is deathwish, as it is pharaoh, as it is, you know, like these influences that I'm hearing from you. 
man, I, I'm hearing them now that I'm, you know, I, I, I heard it. I've heard it, you know, like it's, you know, it's hard for me to articulate, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Well, the, the, the first the, with the back to the fast rap stuff mm. is that when I first came out, I was very, I was acutely paranoid that Western Sydney dudes were thinking I was trying to rip off some deathless shit. Yeah. Or, or, and then, and that was my first fear yeah, yeah. was that um, I go go down to these Sydney shows and I come up with there with my figure to bigger to bigger to do and they just like. Fuck you, you death wish tryhard. Yeah. <laughs> that was my fear. It was yeah, a huge dude. fear. And, and then when they, and then when he gave me a pass, I was, I was, you know, happy. And he, he said, you know, it's, it's just me and you. It's just me and you. And, and it wasn't just me and him. There was other other people, and that sort of fast, you know, if you, if you could categorize. I love how you were saying. Um, uh, cycles sound in Melbourne, like in, and you, you spoke about Brisbane sound and records, and yeah. what Sydney. This, like, when when I was coming up, Sydney had a very sharp on beat, steady delivery, very very staccato. Very... There's that staccato. It was like a very on beat, very stabby sort of delivery, yep. and and then you had you had you know, this sort of rhythm to it, and then yeah. Melbourne was very flowing and slightly. Behind the beat a little bit, yeah, down and then, tempo, and then like lazy was he was pretty stabby too, but it was it was just a different. Mm, a, mm. A, he, he was sort of he was sort of laconic and stabby, yeah. but it wasn't quite Melbourne waxed or behind the beat. So I can I can appreciate the different deliveries and shit, and that was yeah. where I came up, and I was paranoid about that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, coming up over, but then seeing it sort of revitalize, and that, and now you know with grime or. Southern rap. See, or, this is what I'm saying, dude. Whatever, like, whatever yeah. is bought it, bought it, bought that type of delivery back. Uh, you know, I had so many dudes. Fucking when it was it 2018, you know, DMing me, goes, "Oh man, you got to check out these young guys. They're ripping your shit." Mm-hmm. And and like, like I went to Heaters 40th. I think it was Heaters 40th, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you're you're fucking." You know the original chilling it. This is when I was hearing about this. It's like shit. Because the reason I'm so old and so out of it, I was like, do, do I really get involved with this sort of stuff? And I'm like, no. And then when someone said, oh, I think it was about the third or fourth time someone said, you're the of oh, the the chilling at number one. I'm like, what the fuck is these people talking about? And I took the shit and I was just like, yeah, I, I I'm appreciative of the of the sort of third or second or third coming of of that sort of flow yeah and um but I, I definitely didn't continue it like um even even kowski had a, a fucking competition in like 2014 or 2015 to find rappers and he got me involved with it and talakai fucking was in it yeah and, um, yeah he, he, he killed it he slaughtered it yeah and um and this is where at a time where i was just like tired and and fucking Needing a bit of a break, but he he slaughtered it with this pretty um, rapid fire technical flow, and I was just like, dude, you, you're going to be pushing uphill to make this shit work. In my head, I'm thinking that. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just like I'm just like, dude, good luck, good luck. Pick up pick up where I left up. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. You can do that. It's 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 a fucking cold narrow tunnel. Where you're going? Blow <laughs> 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 like, the fuck up. But like you know, um, that was my thoughts at that time. You know, 2014, 2015, when mumble rap was starting to kick in, and and uh, you know, there were, I, I didn't know where shit was going. I, I was like, I'm tired. I'm going to take a back step, and then these 
I call them kids. They're probably not kids, but um, they they're doing shit that's really similar to stuff that I was wanting to make more prolific. But, dude, in in many you know, in many regards, dude, in many regards, like for me, like when it, like when I you know you know sort of going back to that, like I I didn't think you were I I didn't know you were a Sydney MC when I first heard you as a solo MC, but sort of going back to that, there's a few definitive moments within Sydney hip hop. I think like, I think hijack and torture when they dropped on obese, I reckon that's a real, like beyond the, beyond the deaf wish casts and the bliss and SOs and the curses, you know, we have those clear definitive moments in, in what came out of Sydney. But I reckon hijack and torture with bones when they dropped that, that uh, was a drastic measures on obese. And then Sam, when Sam came out of that, that's them and did his, solo like to me they're too like that, that that like as sydney as all that is and yourself included you know as sydney as all that is it's still it, it just it's 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 kind of removed from sydney in, in its own way you know it's kind of like this is yeah, this is them doing them you know like this was you doing you that's you know hijack and torture in that period that sounded like them just doing and that's all that's what you expect from great artists great artists will only ever give you themselves so it's not the uh, you can't expect hijack and torture to recreate knights of the underground table or something you know whatever the fuck but you know what i'm saying it's kind of like there's these real to me there's moments you know like there's just moments where mm. it's like I, wow. I think that I, I think there was a little bit of a there was a, a, bit, a bit of a strange unsung moment potentially. I don't, I, I can't, can't even remember the fucking wreck interview that he did on this, but it's between the sort of late nineties, early two thousands, there were heaps of sort of basic equipment offshoots. Yeah. Um, doing, doing like rapid fire LP esque yeah. pro produce things, you know, yeah, like, super, illness super. And, like, and so I, I think it, it was a, it was a, yeah, well, when we came out of down on the beach, they were like, "Oh, we're glad you you don't sell Melbourne." Or some people yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh, you don't, you guys don't sell Melbourne." And I didn't yeah. even know what sounding Melbourne was. What that even <laughs> meant? Like, yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. No, but but like now I know what they're, they're saying, and, yeah. and like there were, obviously was a line in the sand back then. But um, you know, it's just a it's just that energy thing for me. Like, it's just it's just a, a live show consists of certain energy. And and when you're in a crew, you can fucking just nail this intense energy, and it's fucking difficult to pull off live yeah, as yeah. a so, as a solo artist. You yeah. know, like, that was one of the worst things going to a solo artist is, is like doing a live show when you come from a crew. Like, um, you know, a lot of the time I have a hype man, and I'm treating the hype man like he's part of my crew. Yeah, dude. But it's he's not part of your crew. It's yeah. a solo show, so it's it's people are there to see you, and and it, and and weirdly enough. You can do a, a show as a solo MC with no hype man, and if you fuck it, people don't kind of care. That's right. Because it's intimate. Yeah. You know, like um, if you lose your voice, you can just sit on, you can just punk yourself down on the stage, and it's like this guy's fucking giving me this personal life. But like, if you're part of a crew and you lose your voice, you, you're fucked. You know. Yes. So like yeah. this. It's, yeah. it's a it's a big difference. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, and 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 just and just to clarify, just going back to that statement, I don't want I don't want fucking Sydney or anyone feeling dissed. That's not that's not the that's not the analogy we're making. What we what what I'm saying is there was a point prior to, and this this is not to say that everything is homogenized now. Like, but I hear music coming out of Brisbane that I would not know where it came from on Earth. It could come out of the UK, you know, like, and I hear it coming out of Brisbane, dude, you know, like, and that's. Pop, 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 pop. 
Dude, like you know what I'm saying? And that's and that's that's not necess- that's not necessarily a bad thing, but in 04, 03, 05, like we in those early 2000s to the mid 2000s, there was what you said, bro, there was a line in the sand where it was kind of like you know, and then there was crews that just started blurring the line in the sand, and that's that's been a beautiful thing. Like you know, with the benefit of hindsight, and with all these years that have passed since, that's been a beautiful thing. You know, and you're one of those crews, and that's not to sound, you know, like fuck, man. I mean, Sydney births so much. I mean, we're talking about Thirteenth Son from the jump. You know, like someone like Thirteenth Son is a fucking genius, astronomy class, Aussie battler. Like you know, there is countless, you know, to curses to Mitchos to fucking however many people have yeah. come out of Sydney and all the artists. Someone, um, you know, that's them, fucking. And, you know, like everyone's done their own thing individu- individualistically too, you know, like it's not like any one sound like the one other thing, but there was a definite Melbourne sound. There was a definite Sydney sound. There was an Adelaide like sound. There, there was. And, and like there was a Brisbane sound. within what you're saying, mm. there, that's what I was saying. There was a Sydney, yes. like even there was like a, like an almost nerdy, I, I think like a, when Celsius toured, fucking brass was in, in a dress. It mm. got bottled in Melbourne, you know, yeah, like yeah. there was, there was, yeah. It was rivalry. There yeah. was boxes put in places, but yeah. you know, like I, I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed, or we as a crew enjoyed the sort of stigma of being West Sydney, which yeah, was yeah. like a like a, a choppy, um, you know, en- energized delivery. And until this day, like live performance, I will always gauge everything versus that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. If I if I see a young group and I go to fucking North Melbourne and they like. You know what do you what do you think of this group? I will be comparing it to fucking Death Wish. I'll be comparing it to fucking you yep. know yep. what I grew with the energy of it. Yep. Um, I think it was particularly live. I think I think Melbourne was very flowy, yep. slightly slightly behind the beat, yep. almost just like when I hear Jest, I, I feel like that was the the archetype almost. I get that. Like, high, high Plains Drifter, it's just a fucking, mm. it, you could say High Plains Drifter is a Melbourne record. <laughs> like, it's not. Almost. It, it just sounds but like. But it's got that Melbourne record. sound. But then if you if you predate it, you can go back to the Funky Technician by Lord Finesse and you can go, Jesus, yeah. this is, this is like, this, like, for this sure, could be, this could be sure. any number of fucking Melbourne records that dropped it between 95 yeah. and, you know, 2002, you know, like some of the beats on those records, you know, like it's kind of, you know, it's that, and it's that defin. It's yes, it's just that sound. There's that. There's that fucking sound in there. Yeah, I, I and I love. It. And when you keep going back to the Brisbane sound, I was like, it wasn't until I listened to the podcast. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like there's a crazy Brisbane sound. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Because um, because what came out of Brisbane, like you know, and this is once again, it, it's 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 all different. Like Brisbane came with like a more maybe um like you know it. it it was probably more boom bappy than Melbourne even, right? But there was more more light in the music. So what came out of Brisbane had more light in it. So maybe maybe what came out of Brisbane could almost be viewed as a cross between what Melbourne was doing in the early 2000s, late 90s versus what Adelaide kind of started in the early 2000s and would continue through. So there was there was a light, there was a bigness, it was upbeat, it was up tempo, and that that can go through fucking. That's not just lazy grey. That's that that goes through countless people. You know, like that goes through so many producers out of this city at that time. You know, the resin dogs, the fucking. You know, sorry. It, it's it sounds tropical. 
It that's almost what I'm sounds that's, uh, like I feel like when you listen to Brisbane hip hop of an era, there there is a degree of darkness and whatever. Like okay, so we can go back to you know. Well, listen, I always make this analogy, not analogy, but I always make this reference to Brad's authentic LP sounding. It's to me, it sounds like a Brisbane record, but that's only because it was produced here. A lot of it, or a, a, a percentage of it, was made here and recorded here and whatever else. Oh, what was the fucking point I was going to make here? I just lost my fucking point, dude. I start rambling and I lose my fucking point. I've had four beers too, so I'm just like, uh, hold on a sec. I'm, I'm deep. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm game deep. right now, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it starts rambling now. It starts I going. started on four beers. And I'm an anti-alcohol advocate. Oh, God. Well, you beat, um, you beat me there. <laughs> but, but you but get what I'll, I'm saying. I'll add to your point, yeah. whether this makes a cut, edited or not, I um, they they. I feel like we stumbled stumbled upon a sound. I I think there's this this light tropical thing that goes on with samples and shit. Because I I so, showed someone uh, Juice Juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yep. years ago. Yep. He was a bikey dude into metal, and uh, his dad was a was was bikey, and um, he he listened to Juice Juice, and he goes, "Man, this sounds like some fucking chop hop." That's what he called it. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, it sounds like it's a chop hop. He goes, if I'm fucking cr- cruising into a fucking hot summer climate, I'll be fucking like, you know, turning forward to this. This is what know, I want to hear. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think there was there was something, you know, there was a really cool thing about um, Juice Juice where it was like a, a mix between dark content but something like a real light, yeah. light-sounding instrumental. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. feeling what you're saying. I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Not. yeah, yeah. I yeah. listen to your shit too. No, I appreciate that, brother. And you know Deuce Deuce, right? With Deuce Deuce, that that like so proof overproof Pete, he produced he produced that entire record. And that's kind of like that one song is kind of fairly far removed from the actual vibe of the whole record. But that one record that Peter used on the proof used on that, that came from Len One, like Lenny from the Brothers Stoney, you know. So Len used to dig a lot of the breaks for Lays. And you know, like I mean Lays did his own digging, not to take nothing from Lays, but you know, Lenny Lenny was a part of the production process in all the stone brokes and you know the authentic and you know he was on the scene for a lot of that bias some of biases joints and all that sort of thing you know and that record came from len hence the hence i think the vibe and then you know like when you get a record like that well what does it call for it's it's what you it's what you know you, you would get the same thing when pluto when chasm when whoever gives you those beats the beat generally dictates the vibe you kind of take towards it doesn't it it kind of gem- it generally well, dictates you, what you, you write you can you can see it going one way yes and and go heavily the other way yeah you know where where some people might rap about fucking have a martini on the beach yeah you're talking about your dj holding up servos with shotguns <laughs> yeah well yeah, yeah you know yeah exactly you know yeah, yeah like you, that's it. you, you, uh, you went again Against the beat, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. It's a yeah. You know, the, one of my funniest fucking memories is when we were going to a festival. It was Buck and I. It was just me and Buck. There was no other other people, and um, and we were blasting um, commercial hell, mm. <laughs> like on this festival, like yeah. like going across it, and it, it, all the people that you're fucking, you know. Sammy taking shots at or whatever in, in the first part of, of the record oh, yeah. are playing. <laughs> like oh, no. playing while we're fucking playing it on the <laughs> golf cart. <laughs> Dude, I've been, it was fucking mad. It was awesome. I've, I've, was really I've, 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 I've uh, had a handful of those people hit me up in, t- in the years prior too, you know, like, and credit to those dudes, you know, like, listen, man, we were just out, for, we had something to prove, man, you know, like, so we had to come out the gate, we had to come out the gate hard and that's, 
that's kind of what we were rallying against at the time, you know, like that's, we were making, you know, as much as, you know, Deuce Deuce probably sounds, you know, Deuce Deuce in many regards is the antithesis of what those records we were kind of rallying against were. But you know what, man, you know, at this point in time, I don't give a fuck, you know, like it's just kind of like, it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. But yeah, I've, I've gotten that dude. Like, uh, you know, I've met I, most I of those dudes around the tracks. Crazy. I thought it's hilarious that we like we were we were treating like royalty going to these gigs, mm. like fucking yeah, <laughs> playing yeah. playing an album that sort of uh, oh, dude. It was it was funny when you had to play gigs with those dudes, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have to play gigs with those dudes, you know, to be like, oh, and then a random cunt would come up and he'd be like, yeah, man, like, fuck, it's all gravy. You know, you ain't got to, you got nothing to stress about. No one's here trying to start dramas or anything like that. It's maybe the music doesn't resonate with us, but, you know, that's all, that's all a period in time. And that's, you know, that's all by the by. Listen, dude, back to your shit, brother. Back to your shit. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, no, 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 no. I love this shit. I love this shit, man. We can talk this shit all fucking night, but we probably do have to wrap up at some point. How long have we been running, Russ? Okay, sweet. So we're fucked, dude. Listen, we're not even into, you know, I mean, there's so much more. Like, you know, this, well, what do we got? The satellite, what what drops first, the satellite EP or the cold light of day? Uh, EP by a little bit. The EP by a little bit. Because that dude, listen, yeah, the, the satellite EP was amazing. And that's you going back and just, like, that's all European producers too, isn't it? Um, you got Soft Daddy on there. You've got Mr. Thing. Um, who else? Yeah, is I on guess that? they're all. I guess they're all Euro- European. It was Saf. It was Eric Lau. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mr. Thing. Mr. Thing. It was ha- uh, Has Beats from NZ. Um, and then it was Exile. That's right. All right. I was just trying. So to it, it was. It wasn't entirely. Um, European, but like it, it was, it was sort of branded as this international compilation um, side project that that my manager at the time, Sam Dutch, who who runs Grind and Low Key Source, he was, um, yep. he, he was just like, I've got these producers. If you wanted to work with them, you can. And so we sort of turned that into as as life and shit started to take over and. And, and was hearing that it wasn't going to be an album every six months now that you're a dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was like, are you going to fill in this gap between the shit that I was doing with um, Pluto? And so, um, yeah, man, like it, it was, I, I again, it, it's if if I've been in the crew, I'll relish the opportunity to be a um, solo MC. Yeah. Um, I, I had been working a lot with, with, Pluto and Buck um, in this highly collaborative sort of sense, I'm going to relish the opportunity to sit in a, in a room and just write boom bat. Yeah. So, um, you know, like a, a lot of the shit I was dealing with at the time of writing that EP, which would go onto the album was like, I'm not saying it's not rap or whatever. It wasn't your boom bat shit. It was, um, it was more experimental. So, so Lee, Pluto was was sort of going like you know I, I want to go in different directions, uh, production wise and, and and as far as sequencing and songwriting and, and so when I when I hang out with uh, Pluto, it's like fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory shit. Mm, um, mm, mm. It, it's very much invested in the camp of that, and and it's not you know, sit with a beat that's just you know four bars or two bars repeating uh, while you spit your bars. On top, it's it was 
songwriting type of shit. So by the time I I was working on that and it was taking a, a little bit longer than we expected, um, I had this opportunity to work with those producers and, and just do an album that was just sort of more uh, boom bappy, for lack of a better word. But I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. Oh, dude, and it, it produced. I love, doing, I love doing both. Yeah, <laughs> it was, dude. It was good. But it produced some fucking amazing songs, dude. Like, how'd you hook up with Suff Daddy, man? Because I remember years ago, I went into Rocking Horse Records up here in Brisbane one day, and I picked up, like, there was this series of records that came out of Germany, and it was called the Hi Hat. Was it called the Hi Hat Club or the Hi Hat Series or something like that? One of them was by one of them. Well, one of them was by Suff Daddy in particular. And I love this fucking record, dude. And you have, you know, you had that joint with, um, um, bones stop you know like yeah. dude like you know the, the joint with mr thing bro mr thing like fuck me man i had some killer tracks on there dude i was really happy with that yeah. i was um and and so I, you I should had a be. lot of fun making it like but i made that at the same time as making um cycles survival so i was doing those in tandem um but i like if i got too tired of fucking one thing i'll go to the next mm. and and um and that album was more, you know, sort of tra traditionalist boom bap, for lack of a better fucking term. Yeah. But I was doing a lot of experimental shit with with Pluto, where um, where where I'd write with him, like I'd write with the producer. So yeah. like if yeah. he if he was doing like a fucking particular fucking um, rhythm to his hi hats or whatever, I was like I write to it there. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sitting down perfecting it i was just uh it was more like an accompaniment to him that's why i keep saying this shit with fucking pluto and, and two buck was more like a crew yeah so i felt like i was just accompanying them mm. I, I didn't feel like i was trying to shine a light on me like i'm fucking big l or mm. board finesse like i was i was just highlighting these motherfuckers killing their game so like by the time i came to the ep that's you flip everything i just said on on its head like i was i was getting the beat and it's like okay you can rap it's, it's highlights on you fucking show you can rap so um i say that but so, like, the the mr thing thing I, I sat there and 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 pen my bars and i felt comfortable with them but the soft daddy one like that was the last one i recorded on that that um ep and i went into the studio and i'm talking about being professional earlier mm. and I, I paid for 301 which is like one of the best studios in the fucking country wow yeah and um i got in there and i had nothing I had no nothing written to record. I was hanging out with Simon Cohen. Fucking shout out to Simon Cohen. He he um, mixed and helped me out with a lot of shit along the way. He's a fantastic engineer, and um, I hung out with Simon and, and he's just like, "What are we doing? <laughs> like, I've got to write." Yeah, I did the Jay Z thing, which is like a fucking no no. Yeah, dude. and he he's just like, "What do you mean you got to write?" I'm like, I'll, "I'll be ready." And like. 20 minutes or whatever <laughs> and then fucking you know so he sat there getting paid to kind of just sit there and let me fucking murmur to myself and um dude take, and, taking it back to that 90s days in the studio bro just go in and fucking yeah put the pen and paper up and do it don't don't do if you're listening do not do don't anything do of what i'm saying no 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 no, no. If, if you're paying for studio time nah Fucking have your shit ready. Yeah, be prepared. So anyway, I rocked be up, ready. I had nothing ready, and, and I just I sort of borrowed from myself. Yeah. Um, 
similar to taking drugs. I yeah, just yeah. fucking borrow, borrowed the shit from one part of my brain and, and just <laughs> claimed it as being new. And um, I took all the shit from down on the beats that hadn't really been released and, and, and fucking spun it into um, a Big L-esque sort of freestyle extravaganza yeah. or whatever and did it. But that, that period, that particular period of being so sort of defunct of shit, it was just so such a downing experience. Because you don't want to get to a studio where someone's waiting for you to release some shit. You paid for it. This is a studio where fucking Midnight Oil and yeah. In Excess have been there. They've got all their, their plaques on the fucking walls and shit. And you're there. You've paid for it. You've got no raps. It's a fucking depressing experience. Yeah, dude. And um, that was part of, I'm not going to say the end, but part of I don't want to do this level yeah. of rap anymore. Yeah. I don't want to have Soft Daddy on the beat. Me rocking up to 301 Studios and I have nothing written. Yeah, dude. No. And so, so I went in there and started fucking doing my shit and I, and I did it and I was uh, – I, I call it studio rage. It's where you're so angry that you can't get a take. Mm. And if you've got, studi- you got studio rage, you tell someone to fuck off. So me and Joe used to have this all the time. And, um, and like, Joe would be trying to record. And I'm like, bro, you got studio rage. Like, just go get a beer, get a meat pie, fucking just chill. Just chill. You're, you're done. Yeah. It's, it's not happening. You know, yeah. you're sort of engineering your mate. And um, and I had prime studio age during that song. And I was just like, this is not how it's done. This is not it. This is not how it's done. And I managed to salvage to give some verses. I spat them out and I recorded them. And then, um, and then thankfully, Bones jumped on board. And I said, like, I need some cuts. Buck was out of the... Sorry, bro, I'm smoking a ciggy. Yeah, no, me but, too. Uh, he was out of the question at the time and I, and I just... I hit up Bones and said, hey, are you feeling this? And, and he t- did some shit on Serato and, and, and it was. It was. It sounds disrespectful when I say it was the most throwaway song I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and the weirdest thing about it was it just got fucking crazy J-play. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was a good got, song. Though. And, and that, was, that was another killer. I was just like, fuck. Yeah. This is. This is this is like the lowest scraping of the barrel for me, and that and like I respect something so much, yeah, and bones. But personally, I was scraping so low and just like dredging out these verses from when I'm like fifteen <laughs> to yeah. fucking record the song, yeah. and then I record it, and then Jay's like, "Yo, hot new tune." I was just like, "Fuck." Yeah, <laughs> and you just sitting there. It's one. It's another one of those ones where you just sit there scratching your head, going, "How? Like what? Like what?" Well, like, it's just it's, it goes back to the thing of like, well, you know, what do people want? They want it. this. They want that. They they clearly wanted a thing. By that stage, there was a there was a, a cookie cutter template of what people wanted, yeah. or, or what or what some people wanted. They yeah. wanted that lively horns orientated ninety BPM. Um, sort of tune. So, so like, I'm not saying that contributed to me stopping, but it's just like fuck, you know. Like, oh yeah, there was other ch- tunes where I put a fuckload of effort into, oh, and just people would take no shit, yeah, no yeah. shit about it whatsoever. Yeah. Now it's it's funny because like you mentioned Deuce Deuce before, dude. Deuce Deuce, right? That that one fucking song I wrote in an afternoon in about 45 minutes. I got the beat. I remember writing the song. Peter, like proof, who I was recording with at the time, he was overseas, and it's not that, like, like in terms of my catalogue of music, that's the song, you know, like that's the song. It's had fucking a couple hundred thousand plays on YouTube, the whole bit, you know. It never got any Triple J burn or anything like that. But in terms of songs that resonated, that song resonated, and that song, bro, that song came about in fucking, I, I would say, six hours. I remember I wrote it and I called Gav, DJ Decide, and I was like, "Dude, you home tonight? I'll come record a song." You know, because proof's overseas. 
I went and recorded it and walked out of there and me and Gav were both like, yeah, you know, like we're both like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. It's just, it, it's done. It exists. It's there now. And yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's just that it's like this fucking anomaly, man. Like, you know, you can put all this effort into all these other songs that can take, you know, you might have a song that takes you a week to write and record and finish and just to be happy with maybe even longer, who knows? But, you know, every so often you just hit that fucking moment and boom, that's what it is, you know? Like, and you, you can't, you know, it's, it's, I just call it an, an anomaly because not one thing can pinpoint why that works, you know? Like, it, but it just does, you know? I get it. It's just, it's just, it's just an energy, man. It's, it's kind of like what I was saying, reverting back to is like, some people just want a certain energy from your music. Mm. Mm. And and if you capture it, cool. If you don't, whatever. But and that's why with these young kids doing fucking eight albums a year, if they capture that en- energy, it might fucking hit every time. Yeah. But um, I wasn't making, I wasn't having fun making those records. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like when you're burnt out, when you're fucking burnt out, and you book a studio time at a place which is is quite expensive and it's top tier, and you got nothing. It's like to, you, you got to chill. You yeah, gotta dude. Relax yeah, yeah, for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love that. I love that stu- that studio rage thing that you talk about too. Because I've been like so much of what you talk about, bro. I, I, it resonates with me, man. I, I get a hundred percent because I got the same thing, man. Like there'd be weeks where you just go in the studio and it's just not happening. Particularly when I, particularly when I was working with Lays, because I'd always be like, it was almost like a competition. You know, not a competition. I don't think it was a competition for him, but for me, it was like, man, I got to be on level with this. And I'd go in and I'd be like, nah, I'm just not like Lays would have his verse on that joint already and i'm just like ah you know like i'm just like man i'm not hitting it i'm not hitting it and then if you just give it a few days take a breath step back maybe rewrite a few lines go back in fucking boom you nail it you know like i've been there a couple of times man i know that studio rage shit i don't i don't i've got a strict rule if i can't do it in five takes you shouldn't be there yeah 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 yeah. if you that that's me if you you got you should know know the rap or know what you're doing start to finish in five takes oh dude five Uh, takes first one's like you goofing around getting like ready for it second one's a little bit tighter probably the one third one's yeah a variation of number two yeah fourth is starting to fall off fifth it's over. Yeah, you, you you know that it's in two or three or whatever. Yeah, dude. Like that. My whole thing is it's it's five takes. Um, and if you ain't got in five takes, don't fucking waste people's time. Don't waste your own time. Yeah. By the time you talk shit with the engineer and listen to it, there, there's your hour, there's your two hours or whatever. But five takes, like if you can't get in five takes, fuck off. Dude, that, and, that's how I feel. And five takes is generous. You know, like I'd I'd say fucking three or four. If you're not getting any three or four, boom! Like f- by five, it's but by five, it's over. You know, like yeah, you're you're coming back, man. Like just let that go. You know, like hundred <laughs> percent, dude. We got to wrap this now. We're at fucking, you know, we're well, you know, we're heading up towards three hours. But you know, sort of going back, D, D back, going back to um, what we we're talking about. You working with two buck and shit. I just have a random question that dates back to probably that that um audio projectile gully platoon time. Your rapper tag. You know, and it, 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 I ask you this because you brought it up about Buck talking about the beats you should be rapping on. Your rapper tag that came out years ago, and for anyone listening, you can go online, go to YouTube, go find um, Dielectric's uh, rapper tag. It's one beat after another with two Buck mixing the beats and you rapping over the top of it. Um, how does that come about, dude? Did you practice that in advance? Well, obviously, you practice in advance, but like – 
the, the process of picking those records and then you penning those verses to those records or over the top of those records. How did that sort of, how'd that process come about? That was, um, it started off with, I, I said to Buck, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do rap attack. I'm going to do it over Dr. Green Thumb. Yeah. And then, and then Buck looked at me and he's like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> And he goes, nah, fuck that. And I said, well, what do you want? And he goes, oh, I'll, I'll fucking come up with some fucking, some instrumentals for you to rap, rap over. Yeah. I was like, cool. And then, um, and then he just kind of came back to me. I think he came back to, it probably was a USB or whatever. And it was his mix. And he's like, you know, this is, this is my mix. This is what I'm doing. This is what I picked. I picked this, that, and the other. I would like you to do this. And I was just like, Fucking give me what you've got and I'll rap. Yeah. And then um and then and then he handed it to me and I just wrote to it like it was a song. Yeah. And then um dude. I, I think it was like a six week turnaround turnaround from when um I got I got tagged, quote unquote, to dropping it. Mm. And everyone said it was fucking ages. <laughs> but like did it take in that the context long, did of it? our lives now, it's just like it was so much work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like he he picked um his mix. And then he gave me the mix as a, like a recorded format, and then I and then I wrote to it, and then we performed it, and then where we performed it was with um, was with Versus Media, who was um, Jason Sukadanasuki and his 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 wife Tanya. They're they're Versus Media, and they've they've done a lot of shit for me in the in the past. They yeah. did. Um, the video clip with Soft Daddy, and they also did the the uh, rapper tag. Mm. They started off in this abandoned factory, which has probably given us all asbestosis. Yeah, yeah. Thinking yeah. <laughs> back, as a fucking you know dilapidated shit. Yeah. But they started us off at one end, and then obviously we kick start off, and then he's got a camera on him. I walk down, and then come back. But um, there was like a weird time lag thing where um, the further I got away from him in the sound system, is, 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 and <laughs> we're going out of time. It was actually a fucking really weird experience and, and, and hard to pull off. So I was, I was having to, like, preempt <laughs> science and physics wow. in some ways yeah. because what they were, they were recording, what I was hearing was different because as I walked away, and walk like a fucking hundred, hundred and fifty meters away or whatever. Um, it started to lag and go out. And they started telling me, so it was it was bizarre because that's all I was thinking about the whole time was making sure the shit stays in time. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. Um, because as I walked off, I start to go out of time, and you can kind of hear it a little bit if you listen to it. You can hear it fuck up a little bit. But um, that was Buck. That was just Buck being Buck. Yeah, um, dude. Yeah, yeah. Just that, was, that selection. That was gonna be. That was gonna be me and Doctor Green Thumb just uh, <laughs> pumping over that fucking beat because I love that. Beat. <laughs> he's just like he's just like nah 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 no you're doing this and he's like you need to make a fucking reference there. I'm like shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I got your reference. You want a Souls of Mischief reference? I'll give you a Souls of Mischief reference. You got this. <laughs> and you do, dude. And you do. But, you uh, come, but you that, come through like, some... we nailed it. They ended up. It ended up. You know. Nailing, and we we caught flack from taking a long time, but fuck yeah, he, he did it take a long time? It. Did it? I don't even remember. Well, like five six weeks in that context was a long time. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, that was all him. 
That was all him. That, that's what Buck does. He, he, he saw a, a fucking an avenue to to get his mixing in there, and he fucking killed it. Yeah, and, um, that was that was Buck's. Yeah, he just handed me that on a on a silver fucking platter. Man, to, to wrap on. watching that rapid tag because I like I haven't watched many of them. like I, I, you know like when we talked to Scrub the a couple of weeks ago I went through some of the newer rapid tags but I haven't been through those older ones in a long time and I went I, I like I watched your one and I watched the pegs well I watched the, the two around it so it was pegs you then Joe new and your one dude like just the selection like you know I I'm, I I don't know whether I missed it at that point but. Yeah, man. I was like, fuck, how did this how did this fucking work? You know? And then beyond that, your references. So I pick up on the references in like that second part of the verse, you know, like you I think you cite one of Brad's lines from press release and there was some souls shit in there. There was like it was just little bits and pieces that I picked up on and I was like, Wow, this is this is dope, dude. And then his selection of beats going through it. And it's just funny that I ask it because you said earlier about Buck, you know, being the dude going, No, nah, no, nah, you need to be on this beat, you know, and I I, I like I like the selection of beats that he uses too you know like it's just it's just cool shit to someone he, like he me killed he, yeah. killed, he killed it he took it to like i i always knew and, and as a, at that particular stage and this goes back to the whole group uh thing whatever i was doing was a group yeah you know, i was struggling to be a solo dude i just couldn't be that guy i couldn't be like it's all about me it's a solo endeavor it was always a group it was always a, a performative thing yeah so i knew buck would be in there and but like when i when i Pose the idea of, hey, Buck, you're here. Shut the fuck up. Play, um, <laughs> you know, Dr. Green Thumb. His, re- his response was, hey, are you shut the fuck up. Here's <laughs> <laughs> 20 odd beats. Yeah, I'm going to play you 20 please, beats. Please reference every <laughs> fucking change. Yeah. You know, like, it, it was just, it was very crew like, you know. Yeah. I, I felt like I was getting tagged in as a crew. Yeah. And that, at that stage, I, I, I never really felt comfortable being a solo dude. Yeah. It's always been like, you know, when it was rapid tag, I think in the first four lines or whatever, if you're tagging me, you're tagging him. Yes, exactly. Like if I was ever doing a show, it was me and Buck. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was me and someone else. And it, and I have done shows by myself without without anyone. And it's just weird, you know. Like it's just I don't, I don't feel right. So, like, it, that was representative of, of how it was back then. Was, you know, you're tagging me, you're tagging Buck. It's going to be a DJ thing because a DJ thing where he is where he's at. Yeah. And then he just spits out this fucking mix, and then it's just like well, you're going to you're going to con- contribute to it, and then um, and yeah, it's mainly Buck. <laughs> this is Well, I I haven't watched it in a long time. Oh, I hadn't even I hadn't either, dude. I hadn't watched any of them in a fucking long time. And I was just like, man, I spun out on it and I was like, man, this is fucking good. This is a video, dude. You know, like this is a it's a song. It's a joint, you know, like and it's a fucking it's a good track. But listen, that leads us in. We've got to start wrapping this up, man. We've been at this fucking you know, we've been we've been going. The cold light of day, dude. The last the your last studio record, your last album. Twenty thirteen, you know, like dude, you know, that was once again hooking up with Pluto, wasn't it? It was a Pluto that did, did that. Yeah. Did the whole thing. Yep. Yep. And that, once again, it kind of comes in quick succession following everything. You know, you were mad busy through that period doing everything. And then this drops in 2013. It was an, it was a great record. Fuck. I mean, you know, Chip Fu was on. No, not Chip Fu. Fuck, you got Chip yeah, Fu on there, Cut. Chip Fu was on there. <laughs> From Fu Schnickens, eh? Yeah. He Dude. Was on there. <laughs> Dude. With Def Wish. Fuck, and that's Def a fucking... Wish. 
It's on the same tune. That's a fuck. I know, that's some that's some childhood fucking dream shit. Bro, that is some <laughs> shit right there. I'm like That shows where I'm at. Yeah, dude. That's incredible. That's incredible. Like I don't even think I'm fucking man, I gotta I gotta check that track out again. I'm it's like, out there, bro. It's weird. I must, have, I must have listened to it because I've got it written down. I'm just sort of like, and I was like, fuck, did I write Chip Fu or Chay Fu? I'm like, you know, because we were nah, talking about Chip Fu. Yeah, it is Chip Fu, eh? Fucking hell. He, he's a real, what? He's a real. <laughs> oh, and he wraps his fucking ass off, that dude. No, nah, both of those were integral to me fucking rapping fast. So yeah. it, it, was a, it was a fucking bucket list thing to get them on. Yeah. How's that come about? How do you hunt down Chip Fu? Uh, years and years of like um Rand, Randy who was who was managing me at one stage I think he was managing Kings Connected he um he had a he had a connection with with Chip Fu Chip Fu was was doing a lot of um bragger sort of fast rap shit with fucking Pete Rock as well and yeah yeah true I th- I think there was an opportunity there for him to do the verse and then then he said he'd do it. Um, it was sort of left over from from other projects, and then I, I wanted to get. But like growing up, it was it was Fushnikins and Deathwish. Bro, like that, that was that was my that was as a fifteen year old kid. That was the shit I was loving. Yeah, dude. And so yeah. it, like the fit. This this is the type of guy I am when I've got fucking money to burn. <laughs> I'm gonna make it back to somebody else yeah. and fucking plummet it into the core of the earth <laughs> and do collabs with people which are not. Fucking uh, financially viable. Yeah. So um, so I got fucking Chip Fu and Deathwish from the same tune. How much? And, um, dude, just 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 offhand, and if you don't mind me asking, how much does a Chip Fu verse cost? Ah, uh, I couldn't be more. I, than I feel if I, if I said it, if I said it, I feel like I'd be disrespectful. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. And we're not getting in pockets. When it's nothing about that. I'm just like man, I could, like a Chip Fu verse in 2013. That couldn't be worth more than a thousand bucks, surely. Oh uh, look! Yeah, the yeah, it's a, lot of, a lot of things get brought into question because you've, you've got people speaking on your behalf. Things become a lot cheaper than what they should be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, like uh, the, the the EP I did with um of the quote unquote quote unquote European producers that should have been a hell of a lot more expensive than what it should have been. Oh, if the, yeah. if you know if you if you catch my my yeah. gist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if it's yeah. a friend of a friend you can you can pull things off. Yeah, you make things happen. But um but but you know if we if we're gonna wax the rickle and, and get gossipy, I, I think I think if you're in the right circle, Chip Fu can can do all right. For sure. Um you know, like I think I think he was doing a lot of like sort of reggae orientated music, mm. which was was sort of crushing at the time that I came came out with that tune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. now I I don't know. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, uh, call it a week's wage. Yeah, yeah. Word, 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 word. Yeah, that's. Well, I'll, I'll go with a week's wage. Yeah, done, done, done. <laughs> You'll spend as much trying to pick up trims, fucking. Heard trims my first goes. For, for for half a week's wage, twice a week's wage, fucking. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, I suppose a lot a lot of years of um of since he was um you know he was doing things with Shaquille O'Neal and fucking Five Dog 100%. and Tribe Called Quest. Well, look, you know, like it's 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 a it's a strange collaboration. I'm glad you brought it up. It is a fucking because, odd collab because because it it like without the right context like. 
what the fuck is going on? But it's a dope. <laughs> but it's a, it's it's an it's a nice uh, it's a it's a dope sort of collaboration of fast rapping MCs. You know. It, yeah, like I I there was another one with um, the resin dogs with oh, yeah. uh, foreign just, beggars. Yeah, foreign beggars, abstract rude. Well, I listened um, to that earlier today, so, actually. What the the fucking the tune I'm talking about? Uh, no, it, uh, well, I li- I listened to a track that you did with the resin dogs earlier today. I don't know. I have I don't have it written down. Let me see if I can find. Now it. there's a, there's another one that I don't think they've released. It's oh, like okay. Fucking, yeah. It's like a it's like a fast rap posse cut. And um, um, it's, 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 it's the only time I've ever felt shook in my life. And I know you got to pack down, man. you got, you got kids to feed. I understand. I've got kids of my own. Um, but um, it, it was Abstract Rude, Foreign Beggars, Death Wish, Tommy Ilfiger, myself, and it's just, just like people going health for fucking leather fucking on, the, on the fucking, like, yeah. on the double time tip. And, um, it's the only time ever in my life I've felt shook. Yeah. Uh, trying to write. Yeah. And, and because that, because Catchy brought me in, I, I went up to um, Mullen Bimby in their, in their recording oh, studio. I went to the studio, yeah, it worked. Yeah, and um, he's like, I want to jump, I want you to jump on these these tunes. And he played me, play the songs. And um, he played this posse cut. It was like a, a double time, if you call it double time, or fucking, yeah. you know, fast rap posse cut. And, um, and he wanted me to come directly after Tommy Hilfiger, and, t- and Tom just fucking annihilates Murder this verse. He eviscerates this these bars. Yeah. And, um, and I looked over at Catchy, and I was like, "You want me to come directly after that?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Fucking give me a few days. Take me some days." And then after I fucking did it, I, I recorded it, and then um, and I flew back to Sydney, and, and then fucking Tommy calls me up. He's like, "Dude." Catchy just sent me a verse. He's like, what the fuck? fuck. <laughs> and I was like, man, I had to come after you. Like, this is the first time ever where I had a ball shrinker. You know, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, we did, we were meant to be closing down, but I'm going to finish this. If you're a rapper, you should be making other rappers fucking ball shrink. Yeah, fucking that, A, you that's, should. That's, that's it. Man, this shit's a blood right. sport. Actually, I'm just looking for the one. What was the resin? Did Still the Beats? I, I, I listened to a song today, and I was like, fuck, I didn't know you worked with the resin. Yeah. Beats. No, I did that. That was the same. That was the same session. Yeah, right. So I went there for four days and I, and I wrote a, a bit of shit. The, the track track I was talking about obviously hasn't come out yet. Yeah. But um, that that one was in there. Uh, there's four other or three other tunes that we sort of recorded over that period. But yeah, like that was incredible. That was amazing, man. Going up to going up to the farm, going up to Mullumbimby, that must have been all right. Like just going, you know, different environment, just working in, you know, working with those dudes and doing some um, doing some different shit. Sorry, dude, I'm just going through random tracks. Yes, it is with Chasm, you and Pegs. That's another one. That's the first time I, that was where, um, yeah, that was the beginning of me fucking interacting with Pegs. Is that the is that is that it? Is it is that the one? I've just got it written down. I'm just sort of looking. Well, it's meant to be. A, it was meant to be a pig's track. Yep. It was meant to be. It was meant to be a pig's solo, and he said to Chasm, "Can you get dielectrics on it?" So um, he he sort of requested to to Kaz to get me on that. Yeah, that's a good track too. That's a good track. So um, yeah, for for me that was just insane. Yeah, no, that's dope, dude. That that's fucking dope. Well, fuck, dude. We should wrap it up, man. I mean, it's fucking. Let's wrap. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's Thank do you, it, Jake. bro. What what more? Like, what, you know, 
what are we looking forward to, mate? What are we looking towards into the future? You know, we're going to see more follow, you know, another follow-up to Parallel Universe, which dropped, well, you know, that's probably going oh, back man, three, I'm gonna four do months that, I'm going to do that record. I, I, I just want to say that fucking I get hit up with some people who have fucking stuck around who, who are fans yeah, and man. dealt with the shittest rapper ever to be a fan of. The shittest and rapper like, to be a fan of. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I've got to give them so much love and support. Yeah. And, and um, you know, they've gone through similar shit that we're talking about, uh, you know, being a parent and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, She's going to be ready this year. I'm going to do something this year. Uh, like it's going to. Oh, I wanted to have it done by now, mm. but um, it's not done by now. But it, it's. I I have at least half, if not three quarters, ready to go. And yeah, come come the middle to end of this year, I, I hope to have some fucking vinyl ready. Ah, oh, dude, it's some it, bro. It's something to look forward to, man. It's something. It's something to look forward to, and I know what you're saying, man. That's what it is. That's what it is. Fucking trying to get that music. Trying to get that. It's all Russ's fault. <laughs> Let's blame this gun. Get those beats happening, Russ. What are you doing? What are you doing, gun? <laughs> Thank uh, you, bro. Listen, dude. It's been a fucking pleasure sitting with you again. Like you know, just fucking doing this, man, and you know, getting this conversation, bro. It's been an absolute honor. Big up, Jake. Nah, big ups to you. All right, just hold in there. Just hold in there, mate, for two more minutes. Listen, this has been Beers, Beats, and the Biz for another week. Fuck, what episode is this? 97, 90-something? 90-something. Anyway, we're getting up there. Listen, follow us at Beers, Beats, the Biz on social media. I probably didn't mention this from the outset. If you've made it this far, I mean, follow Dielectrics at Ryan. D, where are you at? At Ryan Leaf at Dielectrics. Where do they find you on social media? Um, you can get me Dialectrics at Facebook, Dialectrics on Instagram. Yep. And that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> and on that note, that's it. <laughs> it's been Beers, Beats and the Biz for another week. Take it easy, guys. Yeah.